I can't mention on air because somebody will steal it. And it's been trademarked. <laughs> This is the Imperial Schools of Honor podcast. I'm Josh Follin. And I'm Jay Baxter. And we are going to be bullshit about the formative years of console gaming as we revisit the periodicals that covered it again. Today we are propping up our Trapper Keepers on our desks in the back of class so we can read through Nintendo Power issue 16 while Miss Chrysler drones on up front about how important learning to write in cursive is. You can find the issue on archive.org if you want to look at our shit, or look at the shit we're looking at. I'll drop the link in the show notes, as I always do. Please rate and review the podcast. If other listeners are so inclined to leave one, we'll read it here on the pod, and that's fun for everyone. What are we jamming on now? Jay, what are we jamming on now? It looks like, when that first popped up, I thought I was looking at, what the fuck was the name of Savage, what the fuck was Savage Planet? I thought I was looking at a Savage Planet. (laughs) No, not at all. Screenshot. This game is Mother Gunship Forge VR. First of all, wow. Second of all, have you heard of this? Um, no. Oh. I mean, I've heard oh. of VR. I, I, li- I like it. Dude. It, <laughs> so, I had never heard of this game. Never heard. Of, apparently, there's like a 2D version of it out on PC or something. Never heard of it. Uh, but well, Jesse, my, my initial, more, more, the most important question here is, Jay, why are you talking about a VR game? <laughs> that's not that's not on quest hey i mean this this is definitely on quest this is on quest too yeah this is on ours who is ours <laughs> <laughs> the same Our, like we're, we're, quest we're, that we have oh, we're, that we we're, both we're have the a, same version of okay 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 just clarifying <laughs> i'm just clarifying clarify. yeah man no i have um, not heard i've not heard of this I'm I'm shocked. First of all, because I thought you would have heard of like everything on the VR at, about now. Um, but yeah, I shooting, was shooting shooting shit. You know, you know better. <laughs> well, out of the blue, Jesse texted me talking about this game, just raving about it. And once he added those magic little words, it has co-op, better known as us against the world mode. I was in, and it's like rogue-like game in VR with like truly amazing weapon weapon building choices as you go along similar to like like Hades but only with guns and in first person and it is absolutely amazing you have guns on either hand and there's different things you can do with them and different modules you use to stack on and connectors and each one has its own set of statistics you can kind of see behind me in a little screen def- and so you def- can choose to have it, like it, one it definitely hand looks a like a uh, oh, what, would be, what would be the adjective uh, amalgamation is too simple. Like a, a <laughs> hodgepodge. It's like I'm trying to think of a good, good adjective for it. But yeah, it looks like very, very fucking duct tape and. But it, but it's, <laughs> it's done really well done. So like each connector adds in, and you're looking like, you know, what should I add to here? Should I add something that modifies my fire rate, or should I add something that actually is another gun and shoots, you know, another set of projectiles in a different direction? And it's, like I said, very similar to Hades, where you have a bunch of enemies come at you in waves in a big room. And then once you clear all those enemies, you have choices of, like, which of these things do you want to add in? Do I want to add a mod 
that, oh, maybe I only have one space on my left hand for this one, or, oh, this was, you know, this gives me more health, and it's, mm. it's a blast, and, and it, it's true, it's co-op, so when me and Jesse played, like, we're, like, side by side, and we're taking on, like, even more enemies than you do on your own. It's, it's, I can't say, I just can't say enough about it. Uh, I made it to the last boss, me and Jesse both made it to the last boss, I still haven't beat it yet, but... I, I will keep playing over and over again. Did you guys, you guys play the sh- whole game through together? Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I would continue playing it just because of the weapon choices you have. Like, there's one one time I decided to put all the mods on one side and just use my left hand as kind of like a shield, and that was crazy because my weapons like were probably like nine feet tall or something like that because of all the modifications and everything. But it was so amazing to watch, like, the various bombs and grenades and shotgun shells going off at once because of the way I built it. And it's it's just so fun. Like, you're – and the VR itself is well done. So where you're dodging, you're moving, like, you got to get out of the way of projectiles. So it's not just, like, static. And you really feel like you're in it. And, I yeah, it's it's one of the most addictive VR games, I think, that i found on the platform. You know, I, I get tired of wearing the headset after like an hour. And I'm like, oh, I need to take a break. This game, I'm like pushing it. Like, I got to keep playing. I want to come back and play some more. You know, it's that type of game to me. We're been. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't heard of it. It's, it's So it's it's not Oculus native, though. It, it's PC. It has, a, you said, PC, a, two, a 2D PC. They don't have a PC. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that much about the background. I just know that there was a 2D version okay. before it came to VR. And I just... Yeah. I was like, oh, it's on VR. It's great. But highly recommend. Highly, you, highly recommend. How, how long has it been out? I'm just curious because we talked about that, how they uh, removed that compatibility issue with the first oh, quest. Yeah. So, so visuals are better. So I'm just curious like how it mm. kind of um, ranks out, I guess, visually. It's it's good. It's not like stellar. I, I, you know, I wouldn't think... It's probably not Quest 2, you know, specific from that standpoint. Like, I'm not putting it on and, like, blown away. But just from the pure game. Well, that's kind of of what Quest Quest 2 is, by expectation, lower, you know, visually, I would say. Because of, you know, partly, I think we talked about, like you said, that backward compatibility thing. But also just it's a mobile platform that just doesn't, you know. The visuals don't tend to be on par with... Obviously, PC VR, but even, you know, whatever. It just usually doesn't look that great comparatively. Um, that was kind of yeah, why Red Matter was so mind-blowing is, like, how visually impressive it was. But even that, like, even that that was visually impressive on the spectrum of 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 Quest games, again, like, compared to, like, fucking, you know, anything on uh, an Xbox or something. It's going to, it's like, it pales in comparison visually, usually. Yeah, this this game came out in June, so it's pretty okay. pretty new. Um, but I mean, I don't want to misspeak. I mean, it, it looked good. Don't get me wrong. It's just when, especially if I'm after the battle and I'm looking at my weapons and like pulling them close and deciding what to do with it, that is really well done and really cool. But other, outside of that, I'm not taking the time to enjoy the scenery. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's like battle time. So it's not really that type of, that type of game where I think you would even really tell, you know? Yeah, I mean, it looks like the textures on the gun should look. I mean, that's that's kind of why I that, yeah. when they when again when it first popped up, I thought you were playing some fucking Microsoft shit 
that you wouldn't talk about is why I was asking you about <laughs> him like I was. You're saying because Microsoft no, has such amazing no, it turns out, I get it. I get it. T- t- turns out Microsoft is also still playing in the Stone Ages, or rather still playing in the Stone Ages, and they don't have a VR thing that, that you at least have access to. Oh, man. <laughs> or at least that you'll talk to me Here about it. Which if, I, if, I, if I find out that's the case, Jay, I'm going to be sad inside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anything else? Uh, yeah, I mean, I... Continuing to play ESO, I mean, I had been grinding away at getting perfected daggers in veteran cloud rest, pugging with randos out in Craglorn, progressing the hard mode, like the highest hard mode of this trial of this core team I'm on, and I finally got these freaking daggers, man. Finally got them. So now I have, like, the full meta build for the highest possible damage in the game. I'm a god walking amongst, amongst mere mortals, and I can essentially just be done and just do some questing with the fairies and enjoy life until the next round just, comes out. <laughs> I was just talking with somebody about ESO since we last recorded. Where the I think when I was in Buffalo or New York. You were talking to somebody about ESO? Oh, uh, fuck it. I, so when I was back in Cleveland, my cousin, the I was out to dinner with my uncle and, and, and him. And, you know, he's like, we haven't. Him and my uncle have kind of gotten a little bit close, I think, and like the past few times I've been home, I've seen him more. But yeah, you know, I, I this this I haven't talked to this kid a ton. He's probably I don't know, not quite a maybe like a half decade younger than me, maybe a little more. So like a little bit of gap, and there's just whatever for whatever reason we weren't really close growing up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we were out to dinner, and he said what he said something about video games and it just like it got us going man and we like i fucking i he was like i was sending the video of me crying about outer wilds after the fact he was like what was the name of that game and he was just texting me afterwards and trying to get the name of the game we were, about Nautica. we were talking about that we were talking about skyrim and like skyrim is favorite game ever and then he was fucking talking up eso i was like oh dude the dude i do the fucking podcast with is fucking nonstop <laughs> about eso bro and yeah he was like he was trying to sell me on eso again and talking about again kind of what we talked about for the disparity and Particularly since my experience with it in PS3, uh, yeah. how much it's come along and yada yada yada. So yeah, I was just I just had that coming from some from another angle too. Maybe it's is it fate? Is it God mm. just speaking to you? Like you need yeah. to give this a try. I think that it might be Josh. I need to. Why, why isn't it? Why isn't it in VR? I just don't. Why isn't it? <laughs> Do they have it on V? Do, well, that's a, a great v- question. Is it is it cross platform? No, it's not no. Xbox platform. No, it's only only Xbox. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's not only Xbox. Like there's a P. You can well, have a server uh, you... on PC on PS4. Yeah, but just, right. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, yeah. If I could, if I, I'm because there's zero doubt in my mind that there's a PC VR mod. Even if there's not a native VR, I am absolutely certain someone's modded it. There's just no <laughs> way that that. There's no fucking way that hasn't happened. So if you could play that way, and I could do a VR. How would you even? I don't know. Oh, dude, I don't know. Every that you'd every that. everything on PC has you could even it, it, everything has been modded for VR. There's a way to do it in VR on PC. Yeah, you know, clearly it's just so customizable that someone is and, and any game that popular. The only the only thing preventing it is enough human beings having the carnal desire to play it in VR. Is the only thing stopping <laughs> any PC game from being in VR. It's just enough human beings clamoring for it before someone does it. And a game like that, we eclipsed that a long time ago. <laughs> so I'm absolutely certain it could happen, uh, and it's possible. It's just a matter of um, having the technology. 
always wishing for the for the <laughs> the impossible, Josh. Just every... <laughs> that's not that's not impossible. Not, not impossible, not but just 20, what is not 2022. here. It's twenty twenty two. We can go to space. <laughs> we can go to Space casually, Jay. We can get VR. We can get uh, ESO and VR. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. that, that would be crazy. I don't know if I'd want to do a trial in VR or something. That would be kind of like first person. I will say now that I'm like normally when you play trials or hard content in the game, like you're always playing it in third person so you can kind of see the environment and, and you're zooming out so you can see the environment around you. But Oh, really? You don't play oh, in yeah. first person? Well, no, you can do first or third. I'm saying when I'm doing hard content, I you need to zoom it out so you can see stuff coming at you and behind you and what you're standing in and all that. Oh, but when I'm man. playing, like when I'm doing questing or just kind of out in the world, I'll put it, I'll zoom in the first person. And it's actually far more cool and interesting being in first person. It's just, sure, I'll yeah, get messed. Of course. But like, yeah. you know, I, I don't mind it then because I'm so powerful. I can kill most things out in the world that are just whatever. Um, so you, I mean that would be you, cool. You, in you the have first played Skyrim trials. You have played Skyrim in VR, right? You you play you have yeah, Skyrim yeah. VR. For, okay, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but outside of those two, the last one is, of course, like everybody else in the world right now, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Two. I, I, I'm assuming Call of Duty is just not your jam because you've never oh, mentioned it, it once. I've tried it before. I hated it. It was so bad. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I've had, I've had several Call, Call of Duty games. Even like the first when we bought our our Xbox One, the first time, you know, I bought a console since I was in high school. We bought Call of Duty Ghosts, and I played all the way through that. And you know, tried to PV. I, I played the PvP. I was terrible at the PvP. You know, um, but I, I love the game. It was a great game. And so I've played Call of Duty games. And, you know, I've always liked them, but I've never been like the huge Call of Duty fanboy kind of into it. You know, I hadn't bought a game since then, so maybe it's been like, I don't know, it's been a good four or five years since I've played a Call of Duty game, really, outside of Warzone. I take that back. I play I play Call of Duty Warzone because that's more of like Battle Royale, and it's fun, but I, I just haven't been heavily into it. But there's just been so much hype, obviously working at Microsoft, being in the industry. Like, the usage of this game is just ridiculous. And so I'm like, yeah, I... I that much hype I gotta I dive in and play it and it's really good I mean it's I'm definitely not great at it <laughs> we had a uh, uh, we had a um, co-worker gaming session yesterday and I was just getting whooped man just getting destroyed <laughs> I, I had to like it was so bad I had to switch and play some Halo afterwards and feel better about myself since I'm far better at that game than Call of Duty because just <laughs> pe- people are ridiculously good at, at Call of Duty and it, it's impressive yeah. it's a fun game but I suck at it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, they, I mean, it's you know, that's one that's that they make a new one every year, don't they? It's like a, it's like Madden, isn't it? Isn't but but it's of... different. But like they have, so, it's it's not like Madden's where everything is like the same. Like they change it up. Like even the versions I've played have been vastly di- like different. Like the story is clearly very different. Um, I can't really speak to how the PvP has changed because I haven't been that much into it. But the stories are always different and unique enough to where I'm like, yeah, I'll play another. That's that's kind of why I was like, yeah, I'll play another Call of Duty game. Not because I think I'm going to really get into that PvP scene, but more just I want to play through the campaign because I know it's going to be freaking great, you know. PvP scene. <laughs> Dude, you just... 
I, I got to have my competition. I got to be able to PvP mm-hmm. with something. You know, I got to be able to fight somebody and yeah. feel the thrill of victory and hopefully not so much the agony of defeat. I got a comment on this coming up. <laughs> okay. But yeah, those are the games, man. What are yeah. you jamming on? Uh, I think I I think I just downloaded it. We hadn't started it yet at the last recording, but Return to Monkey Island, which is the art behind me. We, yeah, we played all the way through it. Took, I don't know, two or three weeks maybe. Mm-hmm. Amy wanted to look up a few things because she's lazy. I... <laughs> Wouldn't let us do it, so we did it uh, legit all the way through. Definitely not that hard. It's coddles you, coddles you a little bit. Uh, it's you know kind of a modern game in that regard. Um, a lot of it's like Thimbleweed Park was from the same Ron from Ron Gilbert and his team of people that I'm sure he probably works with. Worked with on both of them to some degree or another. Uh, but that was a mobile game, and that. It still like they kind of leaned on like the I don't know there were still some quality of life improvements over the the old school point and click games, but this one in particular being on Switch because you didn't even have an actual point and click you're dealing with a Switch you know and yes it has touch screen if you're playing on mobile but when you have it on the TV you don't have that feature so they had to kind of some of the stuff like you kind of just and I you know for a point and click game to me this kind of is just such baby stuff because you just like literally cycle through the POIs on the screen with the just moving you know across so like the whole at least a large part of the difficulty of that game is like looking at what is in front of you and being able to parse out the POI in the artwork you know and figure out what's you need to interact with to solve the puzzle that you're trying to sort and like to have that kind of spoon fed to you uh, you're you're somewhat just do you're like playing Dragon's Lair, like an interactive movie now, you know. So yeah, like, that doesn't little... sound too too exciting there. I mean, you know, it's still because it, it, those all those games are kind of there. You know, there is <laughs> there's a puzzle for the next step in a lot of cases, so it's a little more advanced than just a story. But they're all kind of the idea with all of them is just it's a storytelling experience that you're part of and that's still very well done it's you know the same kind of guybrush threepwood fucking monkey island humors in there you know there's a lot of self-referential stuff kind of meta acknowledging the history of this type of game there's you know it's well done for sure it does that nostalgia thing that we talk about as a fine line well it does all that shit well the storytelling's great that the humor's great the artwork is beautiful. I don't know why anyone was bitching about that. I think it looked great. The, you know, it, it was a great, it was a good experience, but the difficulty was definitely not necessarily there that I think this kind of game that I enjoy in a game like this, maybe more so than a lot of people, which maybe that's why they did it that way. I don't know. But it was good. It took us a few weeks. Got it done. Uh, so that was fun. And then I hadn't played a shit ton of stuff. I, I got, uh, I've been, you know, tra- I did like 10 days in fucking, on the East Coast for a couple of Bills games, and I, I had my headset, but I, I never even took it out of the box, so I hadn't really played much. And then a couple nights ago, uh, I downloaded a couple new things. Uh, one off the Rough Talk VR did a podcast or did a, a, a review on Puzzling Places, which is a, a puzzling game, as you might imagine. It's actual puzzles, so it's 3D puzzles, though. So 
I mean, I don't even know where to begin with this. It has like a ton of different things you can do in it. It's like incredibly, it's kind of very similar to, did you ever end up playing that cubism game or no? No. So you can kind of, it kind of at least natively exists in just kind of this empty, serene space. So it's, again, kind of one of those like very relaxing. You can lay down and do it and just kind of fucking chill out and and, and and VR. And this has the pass-through. And this is the first time I've used this. So it was pre- it's pretty wild. dude. You could, First of all, you can map your whole room. So I did that, which was new and I hadn't done before. So you like literally get up. And you're walking around, you like you're painting the walls, telling it where the walls are. You can do surfaces and objects and things to like build your space. You make your couch, so your couch is now like a kind of like the stationary guardian, but anywhere on your couch acts as, as that now. You can make your desk, so that's like the workspace where you would put things. And then when you go to your house in the um the the like the the main UI, the menu where you pick your stuff, that that area that you're in you the couch and the desk you map are now in there so you're like sitting on a couch in like i have the, like the crystal fucking whatever that it's like a crystal area there's like purple crystals all around it's like this real big open valley kind of thing so that stuff's in there now so yeah you can build all that out and it, it like acknowledges and um, you know puts that in your vr space which is just a wild just that alone mm-hmm. Even not taking into account the fact that you can see now everything, you know, like I'm playing the puzzling game, Amy's making dinner and I'm like, I can, she's talking to me and I can just look at her and like, you know, interact. So like, you know, the, the, the chief reason I'm bringing this up is you talk often about like the, how it, it walls you off from the world that you can't wall yourself off from. This yeah. completely changes that, you know. And granted, you know, you you have that gray pass through shit, which is the big difference between the Quest Pro and this. Is that that goes away? It's color in the new one, and that's obviously a big difference. So you know, it's not. I mean, you can still move around safely. Like it's definitely not so like shitty looking that it you know obstructs your 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 view or or what you can see. But it's a you know, it's not perfect. That it's got like a little bit of that vibe that fucking vibrating vibratingness yeah. to it but uh and it's obviously in black and white but again plenty you know plenty good enough to interact with the world you can reach and grab something you can certainly look at someone and talk to them you can see oh. what they're doing yada 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 so that is the biggest um, thing i hate it's like you take it's, the kids need something or anything it's like i got to Put take this all, put it down. Then you know De- decompress in the world. Yeah, and you know, and obviously that's you, 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 this. You can't do this with every type of game. It's a certain right, type right. of like relaxing experience game. But there are plenty like that. Demio, you can. Say, I tried it with Demio. Yeah, I couldn't get it to work really. It was it was a little fucking wonky for for Demio. So I don't know if I just need to troubleshoot that more or I don't know what's up with that. But yeah, I couldn't get it to work too well for Demio. But the puzzle game worked fucking great. And like the puzzle it says, yeah, you like you can you you pick these three D models basically. Uh, of all different kinds. Like I did this haunted house one and this like, I don't know, 18th century chapel of some kind uh, was another one I did. And you like to, you select it and then you can pick all these different puzzle piece number options. Do you like 25, 50, 100, 200, 400, I think are the, are the different options. And you know, if you think you're doing like, so if you like, we're going to say you're going to fucking target and you're going to get a puzzle to do with the kids. Like, 400 piece puzzle is like nothing and like a normal, but 400 pieces in this shit is fucking nuts, dude. Like <laughs> it, it, t- it tells you like your first one, like definitely do 25 or you'll probably just stop playing this game. And it is like, it's it, one, you know, once you pick the number and then it just drops these things in a grid in front of you or uh, like kind of just 
in the space in front of you and it's like a little bit overwhelming, especially with a really high count, you know? And you, you have these reference photos that you can turn off if you want, but there's these reference photos of all different angles that are kind of like in a half circle in front of you for you to reference while you're doing it. And then you're just very like cubism. You're just like literally grabbing a piece and like trying to interlock them together. Like, okay, maybe that works, maybe it doesn't. You can set it over here and like try more. And then I have like a little piece of the puzzle working here, set that aside yeah. and like try another piece. And then eventually join the, like it's, you know, it's it's exactly like a puzzle in a 3D space with 3D models. And it's fucking, the music is again, just like an incredibly soothing experience, like a really, really fucking uh, fun thing. And like, it was funny, like the rough talk guys kept talking about it too, but like when you, like the, I don't know, I have no idea what kind of science goes into this, but like the little noise that it makes when you get one to work is like the most fucking satisfying thing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like they, nice. they really crushed like the little tiny, I don't know, little fucking whatever that would, whatever, whatever category of game experience that, that, that fits into, they nailed that perfectly. So yeah, that's really cool. It's like fourteen ninety nine, I think, and then you, you know it's got however many puzzles. They got little tiny add-on packs you can download all the time. I guess they even have like a subscription thing. I think like a four ninety nine a month where they're. But I guess they're essentially releasing new packs every month. You know, which I'm sure it's not hard to they just take a three D model and fucking cut it up. So uh, yeah, but a lot of cool shit with that. So that was that was one I downloaded, and then the other one I downloaded, Among Us, came out on VR. What? This, oh, this you last played week. that in VR? Oh my god! So I downloaded it. It was only nine ninety nine, which is pretty inexpensive. So that that was not a not a tall hill to climb. So I downloaded it, and like I've never played this before ever. So I download it. I do the tutorial, and I'm kind of like, okay, like you, know, you gotta like interact with shit. You gotta like they kind of explain the obviously the two different teams you can be on the fucking you know the what is it, what is it called the imposters or the the crew. They explain how you do the jobs and how you can kind of like feign being part of the crew if you're an imposter to kind of like trick people and stuff so you, know, you do the do the little tutorial it's like maybe a 10 minute thing i do all that i'm like okay like i think i get it you know so like i click over the thing and i go into a game and i almost had an anxiety attack immediately <laughs> like it dropped you in and i was like they were like waiting I guess the room's got to fill up before they can start the game. So everyone's waiting in like the main area for enough people. To, and I, I think I was the last one to, I, we didn't have to wait. Like the second I came in, like, okay, let's go. And like, I, first of all, you're a million people talking, which I hate that about, I hate that about multiplayer games. It's just like a bunch of fucking, it's like chaos, audio chaos. And like, so I go to the thing and it starts and like, it picked, I was an imposter. I think one of two imposters. So I'm like, fuck, that's like way more responsibility. <laughs> And like, so I'm like, you know, I start running around. I'm like, fucking, I'm like, okay. And like, I, I'm fucking trying to kill someone. And like, I, I get, I kill someone. I'm like, okay. And I point the body out, like, okay. Uh, you know, trying to like, again, like, okay, yeah, I was in there, but I, I found them kind of idea. And then I think I got into a gate a little bit, whatever. Or no, I got into a gate and found someone, then killed them. And then when you kill someone to point out a body, and like, this wasn't in the tutorial, like, it just drops everyone back in the main room. So now we got to talk about it. And it's like, that experience, I has like, I, I just left. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> oh my I can't gosh! Do it. I, can't, I can't fucking do it. It was like, first of all, the one kid screamed like, "This is sus! That's sus!" I was fucking, I was laughing my ass off about that. But yeah, like you're know, like, I don't know. Like, I just couldn't. I don't know. I can't. It's too. It's not. I don't know. I it, it would be a lot more fun. I'm sure with a smaller group of people that I know. So it's like a cohesive conversation yeah. and. 
you know, whatever. You know you're interacting with, like, what you at least perceive to be in your fucking spectrum of, of judgment well-rounded human beings. But the the what was going on in that room, and it was like, I don't even know how many people it was, 12 or I think maybe only, I don't know, something like that. Definitely double-digit people, and it was fucking chaos. I just cannot explain <laughs> how chaotic it was. It was, it was so... Uh, and yeah, and again, especially it was way worse because I was the imposter and I had to like, I just, I, I just froze up. I couldn't, I had nothing. I was like, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, like there were guys like, you know, like I was everyone trying to explain where they were and what they were doing and why they're not whatever. And I was like, I just don't have the vernacular that all of them had too. They all had, you know, in the same categories, the sus shit. It's like they have like a vernacular for explaining what they're doing and why they're not. <laughs> the, su- the sus shit I can't get my daughter just says stuff is sus now because of that game like, that's I know, just yeah, I know. And I'm telling you I was, I was laughing about, that's exactly what I was laughing about when I was in there yeah it was just I don't know dude it was so it gave me it was so fucking overwhelming it stressed me out so badly and I haven't touched it since I can't believe like, I can't believe you paid nine dollars in VR for a game that is free to play everywhere else and well, then you dropped definitely the way, way better in VR I mean, it's, it's, especially for that, because yeah, you're like you, know, you go into the ducks and shit, like and like the idea, you know, the the one of the things I always talk up about VR is mm-hmm. kind of the communication and, the, and like the, there's just there's a completely different, at least for me, I guess maybe this isn't applicable to all human beings and you know every experience is different and what whatever what you value in communication, but like the idea that like you are a three D organism in the space and you look over. And have a conversation of an intelligent conversation with someone and exchange ideas to another 3D organism in the space. And like, there's something about that that is completely different than whatever in, in a fucking uh, on a flat screen. It's just different. It's di- communication is different. The way it feels to me is completely different than just talking to a mic. It, it, like, I'm talking to a person. I can I can perceive that and experience that as talking to a person. If I'm talking to someone in a in on, on a flat screen in a multiplayer game, it's just two people on on fucking these headsets talking like a phone call. It's a phone call. Like they're completely different experiences to me. And for that reason, because this game is entirely predicated on that, there's no question it, it appeals to me more as a game to play. In a, v, in a VR space as opposed to a flat screen. But Especially are you going to try it again, though? That's the question. I don't know. Again, like, if I could play with some people that I want to, that I can handle being in a room with, yes. Because that's the thing, too. It's so much more real. It's communication that I don't want to be in a room with people I don't want to be with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to fucking, I was like, I don't even know how many of them are kids. Some of them are definitely kids. And, like, but yeah, that's kind of like the, Dimio. Dimio, you jump into a game with somebody and it's kind of yeah, like. Yeah, but if someone sucks, I leave. <laughs> or I mute them. I, I mute a lot of people on Demio, like a lot of people. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, I like, think I feel like that might be different then, or maybe I just didn't play Among Us enough because I didn't. You know, I played it a few times with the kids and stuff because they would hear about it at school, and it was such a big thing. It's like, all right, let me down. Once it came to Xbox, I was like, let me freaking download this thing, you know. But I feel like whenever we would even get to the parts where a body was found and we're talking about that. It was all stock stuff. Like, you couldn't just be like, hey, you couldn't have, like, free-form conversations. And, like, even in the hallways while you're doing things, unless 
I had something turned off that I didn't know about. I couldn't really just like turn and like talk to somebody like you're saying that oh, you were really? in the VR game. So I, may, again, I, maybe I just didn't do that or didn't know that was possible. But that yeah, that seems very different. I mean, I'm but. pretty sure. I yeah, I mean, I don't. Maybe we couldn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I was. I got out. I was too stressed out and got out of there too soon to really <laughs> parse that. But the I don't know. I guess maybe we couldn't talk until we got into the like post body found talk it out room, you know. Cuz I don't I mean, remember that makes being sense. Over- I don't mean I don't know, yeah, I don't remember being overwhelmed by di- by people talking until then. Yeah. So maybe that's true. That would but even then make, that's still different. That would though. make sense. Yeah, yeah. That, would, that would make that would make I think that would be smarter because then it is just about behavior, you know. Because uh, that is that's the that, that's you know it's obviously that's why it's so fucking popular. So it's, it's a really appealing idea. The idea that you're just out like trying to decide based on people. And that's why everyone in the room is explaining what they were doing. Like, oh, I was fucking with the the blue guy doing you know fucking tinkering with this thing. It's like that's what I was doing. So that's why I'm not you know don't vote for me. And then like when I I, mean, I, <laughs> I just clicked on someone on the thing. I just voted for a random person, and they were like, what the fuck is somebody? more like I, was, I was doing this that and the other i didn't you know i wasn't fucking what do you mean how could i even possibly be sus oh, <laughs> so you know there is yeah it's there's you know i don't even begin to contradict the potential for fun there and like it's a good idea again it's just yeah. that that fucking multiplayer thing which is a million people talking like fucking everyone buzzing around like fucking you know like fucking uh i don't know like a goddamn it makes me i equated my mind to like a really chaotic atom just like a million fucking uh <laughs> more chaotic than on the screen just like chat bubbles <laughs> you can read so at least you can kind of read them sequentially versus just like people yeah. talking uh, well, that's cool. Nuts. That's yeah. cool. But yeah, cool, cool idea. And I can, I, like I said, I can certainly see um, playing with a group of people that you like being hanging out with would be a really, really fun experience, you know? Yeah. So there's that. And then, yeah, the only thing, it's not out yet, but the only other thing, uh, the Mist Walkabout course drops on the 15th here in a few days, Jay. There's a Mist course? Oh, my yes, gosh. dude. And it's like. So that terrible game, why does that game get its own? Inclusion into Walkabout. Uh, I don't well, understand. first, because first of all, it's the it's the highest selling PC game of all time, and has been for like I don't know thirty years because it's a great game. That's the first reason. But yeah, uh, we bought it. We bought it too. That doesn't mean it's a great game. It's a terrible game. But uh, it's a great game. <laughs> playing it now in its original format without any remastering, you, you get the one on the on Quest. You you bought that one? No, no, no. I'm saying I played I played Mist back in the day. And uh, it was absolutely terrible. Oh my gosh, that game was so incredible. Uh, me and Ted oh. glued to our computer for what? How? For Why? I, I can't even because right now. we're going to go off on a tangent. It was such a good fucking. I mean, that again, dude. It sold. I mean, it sold an insane number. It was of the copies. worst game of all time. Let no. me see. Is it the worst game of all time or one of the worst games of all time? Uh, Let me look it up. Ins- insane thing to say. That's definitely not what the internet's going to say. So, look at find find it's like whatever like what what's the most universal video game judgment entity Metacritic or something I like I, I bet it's like ninety eight percent or something. <laughs> no way. IGN maybe IGN I don't know who would have been who would have been the PC magazine or something. Find out get PC magazines rating Google that what's what's PC magazines 
rating for Mist. I don't really care because my rating or, matters or, more than Or there, PC so. Gamer. Maybe that's what it was called. PC, PC Gamer. It's terrible. PC Gamer. Mist rating. Mixed. Four out of six. Two out of six negative. 4.5 Four out, out of five from PC Mag. 78% Metacritic. 68% PC Gamer is way lower than I would have guessed. Exactly. It is nowhere near. The game sucks, man. Awards. Games 100. Game of the year. Uh, yeah, those people are wrong. Broke. Uh, satellite award for best interactive product video How? game. How? Because it's a fucking incredible I, I, game. It's an incredible game, an incredible story. I mean, I did not do drugs in the 80s. I was a child. Um, but whatever these people were doing while playing that game, I wish I was able to access that, to enjoy it in a similar fashion. In any event, That's there's, all say about that. There, there's zero debate it was the most visually impressive game to date of its time. It, 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 literally, they liter- it literally... All it was was to. visuals. <laughs> That's all it was. No, it was, it was puzzles and storytelling also. Oh, my gosh. The, yes, there was no shooting shit because it was not an action game. It's not supposed to be. The But, no, it... it it was the the it's credited by many PC gaming historians, I guess is the way to term that, as the thing that standardized or the it was the the piece of software that standardized the general public's perception of a need for having a CD-ROM in their in their in their desktop. Being able Maybe to so. play this game. That doesn't make it a quality get, game, though. And, that, that's, that's uh, yes, thing. it does. That many people wanted it. That's the point. <laughs> that the, the demand was they, so high that it that that it it changed the media with which people chose to do their home compute personal computing. They they did something right. They had some stunning visuals, and everybody was like, "Holy smokes! I gotta have one of these because I want to be able to see and play games that have this type of visuals." But give me something that's actually good. That was my yeah. take on it. I'm sticking yeah. to it. Yeah, that's totally wrong. That's totally wrong. Too. But the <laughs> anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. The visually, it, it's still an impressive thing when modernized. And the I actually haven't played because I'm not going to you know thirty. It's thirty bucks. It's way too expensive. It needs to be that should be like ten dollars. The the remastering on Quest VR of, of Mist. So I haven't I haven't played that. But I haven't played it. Period since. The mid to late nineties, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm sure it's been modernized, and probably a lot of the clunkiness of what would be an old kind of click game would would be smoothed over a little bit in that. But I, anyways, I haven't tried it. In any event, the the everything I've read about the Miss Course is like they have built puzzles into the putt putting, which to me, oh my god, like fucking, they built puzzles into the game? yeah yeah. There's like you know, like kind of you know what what I think of. Is that one hole in the labyrinth course where the whole move, like that kind of or not sorry not where the whole moves but where they they have the two guards and you have to like figure out which one is telling you the truth based on its behavior oh, or something yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah. about which one is is the door to go through or whatever like that's the kind of shit I think of like finding ways mm. to work that kind of like relatively simple logic puzzle which is a little bit of a bummer because that kind of thing will go away after the first time you play the course but it's still cool and, and I'm uh, sure it will look, yeah. will look awesome and, and be fun um, so I'm looking forward to that
Dave's theme from Maniac's Mansion, bringing us back into this next issue. Great cover. Maniacs. It's it's not not possessive. Maniacs. It's the Maniacs Man- Mansion. <laughs> it will always yeah, yeah. be the Maniacs Mansion. I know that the real name is Maniac, but like as a kid, I don't know why. It's just one of those things. Like, Maniacs. Oh, Maniacs okay. Mansion. Sure. Uh, Alpha Guard. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. This is September, October, nineteen ninety. Three fifty U.S. dollars, four fifty Canadian dollars. Cover price, and yes, Jay, this is a dope ass cover. This is my favorite Nintendo Power cover, I think. Really? Yes, I love, love, love this artwork. And you know, obviously, it's that's that opinion is informed by my love for the game too. I'm sure, but I also just think, I mean, there's just so much going on there. It's so well done. It's so stylized. It's it's just a really, really, really fun cover. And because uh, uh, it's probably, I mean one of the funner IPs. That's that's why there's just more to work with, I think, artwork-wise, you know. So yeah, it's in that usual claymation style of the time, and they are showcasing the entire house the story takes place in. There's a bunch of characters hanging out of windows and whatnot. We can see Dave, Razor, Wendy, Michael, Weird Ed. Both the tentacles are there, green and, and purple. The comet is flying over in the sky. The telescope is sticking out the top floor. The, there's tentacle slime on the front steps. There's weird light coming out of the basement window from... The doctor, uh, what the fuck is doctor? Whatever, the doctor's laboratory. Just, it looks fucking great. Yeah, it's a a really, really, really well done cover. And really great representation of, again, the IP. It's really well done. Also, there's something about that hot pink to yellow color combination that, you know, that was popular at that time. That felt futuristic and cool. It's like, oh, yeah. You know, it just kind of adds with the black background. It works very well pairs well together yes nice nice color palette yeah it's yeah it's, it's it is yeah the 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 color scheme is no doubt very 90s that yeah the pink and the yellow green it's all yeah all those neon colors are just you know and that's kind of i hadn't i mean but this game was made in the 80s so i don't know how much you can draw that it was around that same period you know because like correlation yeah, it was. I feel like that late '80s to early '90s, there was like you know, kind of blended. You know, I well, I think it depends. I don't, I don't depends. think the neon thing happened till the early '90s, man. Like that's and and that's what I mean. Like this game, I can't. I, I want to say, I want to say like '86 or something was the first '87, maybe something like that. What? Definitely the the original and, and and you know the NES. These this color, these colors of the characters and stuff are there's the they those are representative of the original. PC IP too, so you know that's not hmm. tweaked for it was whatever just ahead reason. Ahead of its time, then perhaps. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Ron, <laughs> yeah, Ron Gilbert was ahead of his time. Just saw the neon shit coming. Either way, it's fucking looks great. And it's fun. So our headlines here: we have "Don't Miss Mission Impossible and Kickle Cubicle." We have plus previews: TMNT, the arcade game, Solar Jetman, and then special giant Game Boy feature. Moving inside, we start off with the two-banger team power pin subscribed to the mag spread, then hit the TOC, and the fold-out poster is highlighted here. It's original Solar Jetman artwork on the one side and a Mission Impossible map on the other. The poster is fucking really dope. Posted that on socials, of course. And the first up, as far as content goes, is the Player's Pulse, where we start with the mailbox. And the bat tip letter from Jimmy Teague in Imperial, Missouri is trying to one-up the mag's boss battle tips in the January-February issue with the way to cheese the electrocutioner in stage 3-4. And isn't this the one that you devised? Isn't this the thing that you pointed out when we did the game episode where you're getting them to turn around and face the far wall and just dirk them? From, from yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. 
like me yeah. and Jimmy were here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I did. I wasn't there. I didn't. I, I was. I did that the hard way. Although so I wish, I wish they showed like what letter they're talking about. You know, they're like, oh, you must use every marker in the palette to write this letter. I'm like, why didn't they show us a picture of that letter? You right, know, and like, they do that, and they do that so often. Well, actually, did they? Like, not? I can't tell from the bottom. Like, I tried yeah, to scroll, like zoom in. And I can't really tell if it's like one of those in the corner. One of those in the corner. Yeah, yeah. They do that a lot where they do show the artwork yeah. and stuff. So maybe it is, and I, I just can't tell because it's so right. small. Yeah. And we have this is a great one I think. The there's a future scientist uh, is is from uh, that's the name of the thing is is the is from Jimmy Klebick in Fairbanks, Alaska and he's writing in to share his independent science project that design that is designed around the hypothesis that NES players would have better hand-eye coordination than non-gamers. So, first of all, fucking smart hypothesis. <laughs> Let's go, kid. Yeah. Let's go. Right, he doesn't share his data gathering angles, but does confirm that his findings support his hypothesis. So he's doing a good job of adhering to the scientific method here. And he also <laughs> includes a picture of himself in front of his presentation board for the science fair, which he would win. He says he would he, he went on to win the district blue ribbon for and be invited to the state science fair, where he would win the blue ribbon for his entire grade that year. And that's pretty fucking dope, Jimmy. Right. And looking at this three-panel folding presentation board... Did you ever do, did you, does this strike a chord? Did you ever do any of these things? Did you ever oh, have to? Of course, man. Are you kidding me? I had science fair things that I created that like were a buzz in elementary school that we were going to sell my, my invention <laughs> to McDonald's <laughs> or no, that was middle school that my invention was going to get sold to McDonald's. Cause what it, the like, fuck was your I, invention? I it, what was your invention? I can't mention on air cause somebody will steal it. It's been trademarked. <laughs> And maybe someday it's going to come to fruition, man. But yeah. I'm just going to tell you, if you ask my mom about it or my brother, like we still laugh about it to this day. But yeah, I'm very, <laughs> very familiar with this type of thing. That's going to be great. I mean, that's uh, a standard. My, my daughter still makes the science fair stuff with those big poster boards. Those like, big, those, yeah, the trifold thing. That's that's amazing that those are still around. <laughs> I, yeah, I think about that all the time about like I, I want so badly to know the parallel, the, the parallels, and the the perpendiculars to like what school is like now versus our, you know, like how different is it? And like, on there's, I don't even know what the context would have been. Where I can't think of any specifics, specific examples. But like, there have been times where like I have somehow interacted or like got shown something or like at someone's house they have some shit going on with their kid or whatever the fuck it is. Where like that there's that's the fucking same. They haven't that's not hasn't been modernized anyway. How the <laughs> fuck is that still the same? You know. That's a great example of that. But so yeah, it's crazy I, though. Like everything else feels completely different though. Like that it maybe it's just like the school the the different schools that my daughter's in cuz like it, her elementary school was like yeah, very similar. Like I said, very, a lot of the same things like wow, that's so that's so crazy. But then now, I don't know if like COVID forced things forward, but like in her middle school everything is different. Like they do this online learning where it's like Highly very digitized. much like college and you got to go to office hours and like it just i'm like this feels super different and <laughs> like the way even the way it's done and how they're taught i'm just like okay like you're doing all like they change it so i guess i think it just depends on where you're at you know sure. what I mean? that's wild okay well yeah so same yeah same for me i definitely had an experience with these too so i was in gift this gifted and talented program thing in fourth and fifth grade and they it was that was part of the curriculum in there and i remember in fourth grade doing a history of american football on one of these things and dude <laughs> like it was yeah it was, it was 
cut up like who knows how many Sports Illustrated mags for pictures and stuff. I made the like this. I remember this very specifically. This this historical timeline with construction paper showing nice. like the, oh, shit. Just hit my microphone with my excited story here. Uh, yeah. So fucking. Yeah, it was like a timeline. I like you know Jim Thorpe and like whatever, da 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 da, like all the different uh, milestones nice. for for the development of American football and shit. And yeah, oh, man, I I wish so badly I had pictures of that. I bet it was fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember in like I remember another one that was science minded of some kind. I remember having to go somewhere for it. I think I want to say it was like a Boy Scouts thing or some shit. When I was a, a little younger than fourth grade, but it's again the the memory is too fuzzy to specifically place. But I mean, I was way I'm I, you know I was so into science, dude. I had so many oh, yeah. like fucking. I had all these books and shit. Like these, I remember like there was a subscription to. I want to say. Like an encyc- Encyclopedia Britannica type thing, where like yeah. every where you it was like a, like twenty six of them, I think, and I remember getting like. After I got the whole set, I remember a couple years where I got like an, an addendum book, and they they were like they had the the spines were these was red with gold writing on them, and they had a lot of pictures and like they would have just you know all sorts of different physics and whatever different all different kinds. I remember the one I remember really fucking just fixating on was the there was an atomic bomb one that was and I think they were just in alphabetical again I think they were very mm-hmm. like science encyclopedias essentially and yeah I remember like the first issue had atomic bomb in an A so like or the first book rather so I like I remember just fucking like reading that one over and over and just being so fascinated by the concept of, <laughs> of nuclear weaponry <laughs> yeah fucking really 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 cool memory but yeah I had a bunch of shit like that I had these fucking these really I wish I could remember the I've, I've tried to look these up a million times and I can't ever fucking find them but they're like they were like these they were like these plastic shells kind of like almost like movie tape uh cases you know but a little bigger and they had kind of like this vinyl thatch patterned outside and each one was like a different kind of science geology or uh, um optics or like different 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 areas of science and they inside was like materials to do hands-on science experiments with that were on topic, you know, with those. And I had, like, the whole, I mean, even like, I don't know, fucking a dozen or 15 of those. And, like, my entire, an entire huge bookcase. On the bottom was those science encyclopedias, and the top was those fucking, those those science things. Chemistry sets, microscopes, that all. I was fucking so, I wanted to be, I think I've said them before. I wanted, seventh grade, I shattered a chemist. Like, I wanted to be a fucking scientist when I was a kid. So, yeah, so I, I, Absolutely certain that I did something like this and tried to present it to who God God knows who. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fucking um, yeah, those those are re- really really cool memory, and and seeing that really sparked the, that for sure. Moving on, we have or uh, any other letters did shit for you? Like it was kind of a little bit boring. Otherwise, the trick or treat is the Halloween costumes, but nothing really that great was in there. I was kind of disappointed in those. Actually, the lack of I'm just some fucking Super Mario shit, which isn't that interesting. <laughs> yeah, same. Yep. <laughs> So, Video Spotlight goes adult this issue, something I do not customarily support, but in this case, I condone. It is Hurley Blackwell of Baltimore, Maryland, and he's telling us about his formation of the Upnor Nintendo Football League, otherwise known as the UNFL, in its inaugural season that has crowned Bobby Barbera its Tecmo Bowl champion. 
and Heck yeah, yeah, yeah. football tournaments. Yep, fucking a. Yeah, uh, we have ten players ranging from ages fifteen to twenty-eight. Eighteen regular season games and the ensuing playoffs. And bravo, Kamish, we uh, way to blaze your trail. <laughs> yeah, really, That's really awesome. cool. Yep. I mean, I wonder if they did it like on Sunday. Oh yeah, this say you know, like on Sunday, like all right, you two play now, you two play, or like with a couple yeah. Nintendo's at a time, like ah. Uh. That sounds like a freaking blast. Yep. I mean, clearly yep. you can do that now if you had, like, the people, you know what I mean, on, like, pick your platform, pick your game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so there's, you know, there's now, I mean, that that concept, there are massive national tournaments and shit where people get to, like, to congregate and play in old school NESs, like, lots of people to, to, to do those. So, yeah, it's like, Tecmo Bowl is a fucking, is a, it's an institution, man. <laughs> I... Tecmo. Yeah, we could go on another yeah. tangent about Tecmo. I won't yeah. even start. We're getting there. T- TSB's coming. TSB's coming. So the first feature is a six-banger on Final Fantasy, and they devote a couple pages to game narrative, the waterfall, Mirage Tower, the Sky Castle, but this feature is mostly about other shit. They tease the strategy guide that's hitting subscribers' mailboxes next month, and then outline the continuation of their Final Fantasy Treasure Quest contest, and tack on a special bonus contest, the Warmech Challenge. And the Treasure Quest prize this time around is the Grand Salami, a real Final Fantasy adventure. Their description of it. 300 years ago, Dutch privateers built a fort on the island of Tortola in the British Virgin Islands, Fort Recovery. The stone tower is said to still hold a great treasure. Today, as the center of the Final Fantasy Treasure Quest, the four adventurers will seek to uncover its secrets. For four days and three nights, the winner and three friends will, will become the Light Warriors, wearing costumes from the characters in Final Fantasy They uh, and guided by an explorer's handbook created just for them. They'll set off to solve mysteries and uncover treasures. Reps from Nintendo Power will lead the adventures and videotape the fun. There will also be plenty of time to explore this Caribbean paradise. So the questions this time are, what is the gold value of the Mass Moon? And... There's no fucking way we know what that is because you would never sell that. <laughs> so that's that's that, that's a great question. And how much would you pay for both Life Two and Nuke? So very very late late stage game questions. So you'd have to have really done some work in order to be able to participate in this particular slice of the contest. And yeah, man, just you know, we've I've, they they tease this in the, in in the last issue. It's so fucking cool. The like I had been. So upset that I couldn't find anything else on the interwebs, so I got a hair on my ass and posted on a few applicable subreddits about this, praying for some leads, and actually got a nibble. So what? someone post, yeah, someone posted a link to uh, a post similar to mine from years ago, where years after the original post, someone posted saying they were in fact the winner so many years back. So you know, initially you're kind of like, ah, yeah, fucking right, dude. <laughs> but the thread goes on for a number of exchanges between he and the OP. And there's like a, a somewhat vague but lengthy and seemingly earnest recounting that gives mentions they still have the quest journal they were given. And like he said, it was it was really cool, but it was basically just a three-ring binder, you know, which is kind of like a little bit of a very of a specific that I kind of like can latch on to as believable, you know what I mean? And he said he would try to dig it out of the closet, but that post died, which is kind of a bummer and also kind of a little bit of a maybe it's full of shit. And uh, I was like, okay, and I started DMing the fuckers. I you know, I DM'd a bunch of times, no response. So that's fucking dead, dead stick. But the link to that post on Reddit is in the show notes, and I'll of course follow up if I ever hear from him again. But out of that, someone 
recommended a two-plus-hour video game history foundation interview they did with the with a handful of peeps at the top of the Nintendo Power masthead, Howie, Gail Tilden, et cetera, et cetera. And the link to that is also in the show notes. It's a really, really great watch. And they speak on this stuff in there, the contest that they did and shit and how... You know, there was one one woman on the staff, I don't think it was Gail, I think it was another one, that her and her husband were really into uh, fucking, I don't know, one of the open, one of the racing things, not NASCAR, but open wheel, whatever the fuck it is, and they had a bunch of those, and they got, they would, she would always like fucking, you know, politically navigate her way to being the one that, that chaperoned those trips, and like, it, they talk a lot about how it was like a, you know, a big political fucking battle in, in at the top of the the Nintendo marketing uh, division because it's you know such cool trips and shit that they would get to do. And um, yeah, they were. Gail talked about how like they would have to send someone there to scout restaurants and shit. And the they actually sp- spoke specifically uh, about this one and saying how three of the four kids. So it, it, they they spoke so specifically about because we've talked about. Or I've mentioned at least that, like, I didn't even believe it really happened, and like that's a lot of the speculation on the internet yeah. too. That just it, it didn't even happen. But like, this is like highly specific, and and I really do believe that it did happen based on this comments. But they said that three of the four kids were sent to Tortola with one of their big brothers and no no parents. So that like, what? No adults what? sent with them to fucking Tortola, the British Virgin Islands. Because <laughs> no it's the fucking eighties, bro. It's fucking nineties. <laughs> Fucking different, different times, man. Different fucking times. Can yeah. you imagine? I, I yeah. cannot imagine. Yeah, like, yeah. Especially you as the Nintendo, like whatever chaperone, like they just show up and there's like, you don't have any parents with you? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> You're just fucking stuck with you fuckers. I mean, I'm sure the big like, brother was probably like 16 or 17, but still, like that's yeah. nothing, you know. That makes uh, the movie The Wizard more believable. Like, oh, just your right. big brother around? That's all, right? Okay. Got yep. it. Yeah, yep. going yep. on an yep. adventure. Very different times. So the other contest, the Warmech one, simply requires that you snap a screenshot of your party in battle with the robot and mail it in. And what submitter will be selected and have their name programmed into an unnamed future NES game? And the internets absolutely did have the whole story of this, so this is pretty cool, I think. So, and they actually did the, the kid kind of fucking dirty, I feel like. It's not exactly, it didn't pay off in the way that I think it's presented up front, you know? So... One Chris Houlihan uh, was the kid's name, was the lucky winner, and his name ended up in the next Legend of Zelda game, which sounds fucking awesome. Link to the Past on the SNES. Yeah. And that's that, you know, at its surface, very cool, of course. Not really something to complain about as long as it happened. But the way it was implemented was a hidden room that was created, and it has been dubbed since the Chris Houlihan room in the game. So. It's this room. There are 225 rupees to be picked up and a plaque on the wall that reads, My name is Chris Houlihan. This is my top secret room. Keep it between us, okay? And that all, again, sounds fucking awesome. That's great. Super fucking cool. Yeah. But one catch. You can't access the room via normal gameplay means. You have to glitch some code via ulterior emulation means. Like, you can't do it. Yeah. Like, there's. I put the article in the show notes. I couldn't even really understand what i was reading so i you know, I leave it to your own interpretation but uh, again in the show notes but so basically yeah, like, yeah, i can't just turn my nintendo on and play it and go it. find it yeah like it, it's like i think there's like again I, it was so hard i couldn't exactly understand and it, it's, it's only magnified by the fact that's not a game i really played a ton of snes mm-hmm. didn't have it i mean i you know i played it 
enough, but not, I don't have, you know, the other Zelda games, if you ask me anything from them, I probably have the answer, you know, like that one, I played it a little bit, I definitely never got terribly far in it, certainly never beat it, didn't have an SNES, don't have like this really strong nostalgia link to it, so I, you know, I, I'm not going to try to or would never try to speak to it uh, as strongly as I would some of the earlier ones, or the earlier ones, but, or even the later ones, just that's a, yeah. a phase of, of Nintendo I was not, so, you know, I, I think it's like you have to like it's like a dash or something. It's like a hole you got to get to. That's there's like something like like maybe it's possible within the spectrum of the regular gameplay, but super difficult if so. And it seemed like most, if not all, people were only able to access it by glitching something. You know what I mean? So cool, but kind of not cool. <laughs> you know, not that I, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear my name's gonna be in a game, and I'm thinking like I'm gonna be a character that everyone's gonna interact with or something. You know what I mean? Like that's that's yeah. a little bit different of, of an implementation than I expected. Or that anybody who picks up the game can eventually find you or where your name is and and like right. text to you like, "Hey, dude, I found you." There's your right. spot or whatever. Yeah, you know. Yeah, can you? Yeah, can you? Yeah, can you imagine the superhero status of being that kid in his elementary school cafeteria? You know, if if oh. if if because that that here that's that that I guess that maybe is the emotional tug string that I think is the fucked up part that this kid won, and I mean I presume they let him know so he was aware yeah. at the time you know so he knows it's coming, and the second you get that letter or the notification whatever it would be you would tell everyone you know. <laughs> You know, you yeah. tell everyone you fucking know. The next Zelda game, I'm in that shit. Bow before me now. <laughs> you know? And then it comes out, and, you know, it's a different time. You can't just go to the internet and be like, no, I'm serious. It's, I'm, yeah. I'm it, yeah, you know? Even if you show the letter, it doesn't matter. If you can't show them in the game, they're like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, and, then, shit. And, then, and then your cousin's, your cousin's friend comes, and he's like, yeah, so I stayed up the past two weeks, and I, I you know, I played through everything. I have yeah. not found this this room. I don't. I don't think your. I don't think your cousin's yeah. in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and then yeah, that I think he's lying, that word dude. of yeah, yeah, that word of mouth just buries you for your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tough, tough break, man. Tough break as a kid for sure. The cover feature is next. We get six pages on Lucasfilm Games and Jalico's port of PC point and click legend Maniac, not Maniacs, but whatever Mansion. Have I told you that I love this game, Jay? You have. You have. When you first mentioned it, I was like, did we talk about it? I was like, oh, yeah, we talked about this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the just... copy here, I have to say, is very intriguing. You know, like, I'm coming at this because I just heard of it. You know, like, oh, that's the Maniacs Mansion. That's everywhere. Um, but so I that's all I that's all I knew. But I came in here and said, I'm reading the copy. It's pulling me in a bit. Like, it's it's, it's making me want to play. And the more, I, the more I read, the more I was like, all right, I got I got to I feel like this is going to be good, but I feel like it's going to take me some time. And I, you know, I played it, and obviously it's point and click, and you know, I feel like I could have perhaps gotten into this back in the day. Not now though, but I I could see how this could have been really cool back then. Yes, yeah, the UI is is a tough, tough thing. (laughs) I think, especially via even you know, if having a mouse and actually being able to point and click at things. Increases the the or, or decreases the 
difficulty or just the the, the uh, abrasiveness of that UI immensely. Having used a Nintendo controller in particular, extra shitty. I will say they did, you know, there are, I've, you know, I've read about it, so this isn't just my perception, but they, they, they have, they did things speeding up the cursor and, and stuff that like made it a better experience for the NES control pad than it would have been if they had just straight ported it and not made any effort towards that. So there was a consideration of and some time and attention paid to making that a little less shitty, but it's still tough, I think, for sure. I, I would not argue that at all. But yeah. as far as the game goes, yeah, man, it's just, it's so goddamn original and so unique and so fun and so funny and so great. It's just so, it it, it just blew my fucking, you know, 10-year-old mind, man. It was like so creative and out there and so there's just no games didn't get made for the nes like this it just there's nothing this original this yeah different you know that it just yeah it just i was not that's why you know i i had like real light previous i, I think i mentioned this last issue or one of these last few issues the a little bit of a, a of an exposure to the king's quest and the space quest on PC at, at my my cousin Lisa's house, so like I kind of had seen that like really, I don't know. It's that's like that's the best you're gonna get open world kind concept at, at that time, you know. So I like seen that before, but this was the first one that ever got dropped in alone in my bedroom and just experienced on my own with no supervision and no guidance and just like here it is, kid. Good luck, you know. <laughs> and like that was just such that's it's such a strong fucking memory and so, something I enjoyed so much as a kid. Um, yeah, I was telling uh, Mac on the Facebook Facebook page. Actually, we're we're talking about that very that very exact specific thing, and he was saying kind of the same thing. But yeah, I, I even I I honestly I don't know. I still gave it like a solid like hour. Like I was still like playing, oh, really? and that... doing stuff, and just being like, oh, no, I gotta get, I gotta find the cassette first. I was like, oh, I gotta. <laughs> I was like, oh, I gotta go in this place. It's dark. There's gotta be. A fl- oh, that person has a flashlight. I gotta. You know what I mean? So I was like looking what, for that. Who did like, you? Who did you pick? What what characters did you pick? I think I had, I think I had Michael, Wendy, Michael, Wendy, and Jeff. Maybe. Uh, well, you had to have Dave. Dave or Michael, Wendy, and Dave. Then. Okay. Word. I think that yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that, I, I that, yeah, that aspect, yeah, that aspect of it is so cool that like that that was also the thing that they, like, the replayability is just stratospheric compared to most NES games because it's a completely different video game. Your entire flowchart to success is completely different with every one of those variables you change. Like you know you can, I mean I guess that's not true. You can have Razor. And probably beat the game straight with Razor's flowchart, regardless of who your third person is. But either way, just so much customization and gameplay experience based on the fact that you can change those characters. And there being such a such a wide variety of them, you know, so I, fucking cool. I believe yeah, it. Really. I was, as I was started playing through it, and I was looking at this, I was like, oh man, should I start over and get... Jet or should I start over and, and play Bernard? Like he has all the electronic yeah. stuff. Like I feel like that's going to yeah. be useful. Like maybe I, maybe I should drop Wendy. You know, like I was yeah. like, so yeah. I could, I could totally see how for sure if this if this was like the game I got for Christmas or something. It was like this is the game you get. It's like 
I'm good. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll yeah. with this. You know. Yeah, this will definitely take us some time. Yeah, no, really, just I I only I never owned it as a kid. I just I I had it as a rental experience and like mm, yeah, I didn't okay. leave my fucking bedroom, dude. I just, <laughs> God, like this, this is this is clearly going to take some time. I need to, I need to focus. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Yeah, really, really, really good memory in this game. Yeah. So yeah, they spend a couple of pages explaining the type of game it is, uh, which is smart because the NES hasn't seen anything like it yet. And then they provide an awesome map of the whole house to help you visualize the geography of the story world. And that's you know the amazing thing too, like the the nonlinearity of the geography is rather original for an NES game. It's just, there's so many things about it that are boundary pushing for what you see on the NES. That's certainly one of them too. And the, yeah, the, there's so much interesting shit going on. Obviously the characters, there's the cutscene shit that it explains and all that. And they have a, they, they go through and they spend, like there's like a breakdown of the six characters and they kind of explain what each one of them is and how other than the boring and useless Dave, how they can help you <laughs> beat the game. And yeah, Dave is Dave is essentially like the joke is, of course, that Dave is essentially your brick pusher. You got I, I see you got captured, so you know. Dave Dave is your basement brick pusher. That's all Dave Evers does until the very end. I think you had to use Dave for something at the very end. But the yeah, it's essentially he just hangs out in the basement and pushes that brick. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Oh, man. And, I was wondering if he had any usability, so that kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no, nothing, nothing specific. No, just that he's the girl that got captured his boyfriend. So there's he, he's part of the love story. I think there's actually I was reading something. He can he can die if he die because you know, kids the it, it's hard to die in the game, but you can die. And there's like an ending for Dave being dead. You know, like oh, Wendy, wow. w- yeah, w- or not Wendy. Uh, whatever the girl's name is that that is in the lab she has like a specific dialogue piece in the video game programming for dave being dead when you rescue her <laughs> which is which is great you know it's just so good and so yeah they have, they have a couple of proposed groupings to try the game with and a handful of general interest tips for the game so the first grouping they suggest is dave bernard and razor that's the electronics app too with bernard yes and he's probably bernard is probably He's the main character in Day of the Tentacle, the sequel, and he's probably the one who has, like, came out in the story world as being the most popular, I would say. Hmm. And and then Razor is Musical Inclination. She's, like, the punk rock girl. And I was actually... Again, what the fuck was that? Oh, just one of the podcasts I listened to. Which one was it? Just did Maniac Mansion. What the fuck was that? Um, That British one that I listened to. What the fuck is it? Uh, whatever doesn't matter, but yeah, they did this and they were talking about a lot of the history stuff. And I guess I think it's Tori Amos they said, but she is like modeled like the 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 developers have like specifically described that she is modeled after Tori Amos. And this and and this one like one of the songs is like a Tori Amos riff or something. Um, yeah, they were talking about like the character inspirations for a lot of them are like these very specific things that the the developers had. So the other group is Dave, Wendy, and Michael, and you have writing for Wendy. She's the one she's trying to get the manuscript done. That she's trying to adapt the meteor. The meteor wrote a manuscript, <laughs> and she's trying to get it published for him. And that's the way you endear yourself to the you know, meteor with with her. And then Michael is film developing. So you there's a there's a dark room as one of the rooms in the game. You can find some film developer, and there's some pictures that are weird eds 
for his little commando operation or whatever, trying to fucking save his dad. He's got some pictures, some shit that you, you can develop for him and endear yourself to him and enlist his help because he's got a. There's you need some you need another person's help when you're doing the end, end run of the game so and you have much. to. <laughs> yeah, you, you you either have to. It's you're either trying to get the tentacle with some of the music stuff because the the tentacle's trying to get his tape his mixtape fucking picked up by a fucking by a label or trying to get the meteor to help you by getting the manuscript published. It's just, yeah, again, just so fucking creative um, flow chart for the, the game narrative. And yeah, the layout and design of the feature, we kind of, you know, it's like the, the way this looks, can we, we talked about it on the cover, but like the way this looks, the, the awesome colors, the art laid out over wacky ass background, it just all perfectly fits with the, the tone of the game. You know, this is a really well done piece Dude. about a really well done game. I never knew that this, the day of the tentacle was Maniac Mansion 2. Yes. Never heard it. Cause like Courtney would talk about day of the tentacle. Like she re downloaded that on the Xbox, like months ago and like played through so it and good. stuff. And yeah. she was like, Oh yeah, I love this. And I was kind of just like, Okay, never heard of that game really. Never did not know it was connected to Maniac Mansion. In Day of Tentacle, in, or in Day of the Tentacle, in one of the characters' bedrooms is a PC with Maniac Mansion on it. You can play the entire original Maniac Mansion game in. That's Within how I played. What? Well, yeah, when I, I when when I played Maniac Mansion a while back, that's how I did it. I played it inside of Day of the Tentacle. Like that's what? yeah, the entire game there, which is uh, yeah, again, that's the that kind of thing crazy. that. Is not nearly as wild or out there of an idea and as cool today it's been done. Right. But this was the first time that you're seeing that, like a whole game inside, like a, a whole yeah. game well enveloped inside of another game. This is really well done. Uh, really good job of that. So, yeah, That's very, very cool. Yeah, David, yeah, I would recommend both. They're both great games. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I hadn't. That remaster I, I did on mobile was, I mean, you know, I've loved this game for 30 years and, like, just recently played Day of the Tentacle. So, like, you know, I didn't have any nostalgia for that, and I still loved it. A great experience. Really well done. Yeah. Very, very good. And, yeah, the remasters, obviously. Good. And that's one of the game. that's one of the ones you can, I think, swap back and forth instantly between the original. Oh, the modes. Yeah. Which is uh, always a cool feature. See, so, yeah, yeah, fuck it. I love this game, and I, I want badly to railroad you into playing it because I want you to understand my emotions and share in my <laughs> enjoyment of this universe. But yes, I am really afraid. I, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed and so happy that you spent an hour with it just to, as a fuck around thing. Because yeah, I mean, my expectation was that immediately of interacting with that UI, you'd be like, nope, fuck this. <laughs> I, I would have, but like I said, there was enough reading. It was, it's a game that I'm well familiar with, like name recognition wise only, not like, but then, so I, when I got into it, I was like, all right, it's point and click, but let me just, let me just see, you know, let me just actually give it the good old college try as they used to say. Yeah. You know? I would say, I'm sure there is, I mean, I haven't looked it up myself, but I'm sure there is a, a remaster of it that you could play on like a mobile platform or something that would be obviously a way better experience than trying to play it via this. Mm. Yeah, because it's I mean it's kind of like it's it's in one of the, it's like Shadowgate too. It's just as far as this podcast goes, like doing it for a game. It's not impossible. But I think it's a lot. <laughs> I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot for a game episode. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I again, I, I want you so badly to play it and have an affinity for it. Uh, I just I worry whether it fits into what we're doing with this as a game episode. 
and, and like it's not enough for a side it's it, it, it sucks because it's not enough for a side quest it's too much for a game episode and like what how does it fit in you know it's tough okay so we have Howard Nestor after that, and they are going with the Mafat Conspiracy as the underlying IP and the underlying game, and we just can't get away from it, dude. It permeates everything we read for this goddamn podcast, this fucking video game. And How long will it last? At what point will we be past this game? Will it be 91? We'll be yeah, 92? Yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm also pretty sure this comic is inappropriately undermining the Muslim religion. I don't know. Did you actually read this comic? Yeah, I did. I was wondering the same thing. I was like, hmm. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The two, the, these two fuckers are after a guy named Ar, uh, Ar, Ahmad Khan and Armand Khan, and Nestor refers to his hijab as a beehive on his head, and later calls him a bandage brain. And yeah, I was that like, "Wow, that would not." Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That would not land. Don't do that's not fucking cool. Different time though. Top thirty. After that, we get Final Fantasy debuting strong at the second spot. And the top five rounds out with Super Mario Bros. 3, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ninja Gaiden 2, and Super Mario Bros. 2. And That's a hot top five, man. Are you kidding me? Like, Yeah. Yeah. I have no disagreements at all. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, it's it's a little bit of a, it's kind of a little bit of a change in the guard, I would say, that, you know, like, there's no Legend of Zelda. There's none, none of the old, you know, none of the Metroid, none of the Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, no Super Mario Bros. 1. Like, none of the, like, the early wave of games are kind of being replaced by the new... Yeah, they're way farther down on the scale now. Yep, 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 yep. So that's it's kind of an interesting, I don't know, just you know, talking about timelines here and the, the development of fucking console gaming. Like, this is kind of like the new guard coming in. It's Adventures of Lolo 2 making its first exper- appearance despite being out since March at 23 was interesting to me. It's like a, like a good indie movie starting on just a few screens and working its way nationwide <laughs> is kind of how I thought of that when I saw it. And... <laughs> Uh, a really interesting note about Punch-Out being at 24, other than how asinine it is to suggest there are 23 better games on the NES at the time or ever, but they've dropped the Mike Tyson's preamble for the first time that I've noticed, at least. But, and, but that's uh, Punch-Out 2, though, isn't it? Or is that just... No, Punch-Out. No, no, the second, the, the, the next Punch-Out is on SNES. Oh, that's right. So, oh, yeah, it yeah, was this, definitely... This, yeah, this, this is just the re-release with Mr. Dream. Yeah. happened in august so they've yeah it's a sad sad day in video game history yeah. right exactly fuck that oh. but it is, it is it is funny to see it acknowledged even here you know so. i feel like those people got tricked and maybe they just bought it not knowing that's why it's that popular they're still they're still on the on the train that's actually that's a really interesting i didn't even think about that whether their computation of this is exclusively is exclusively a function of the numbers of this re-release or if it's some sort of cumulative whatever of the other title. Yeah. The, the, know, or or the, the the Mike Tyson edition, rather, you know. I'd, I'd be curious to know the specifics of that. We'll it's probably that. cumulative still. I, I would I would still think that, you know, that we, can't, we can't keep his name on here anymore, but it's, you know, it's technically right. still the same game. Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, this is September. Yeah, there's no way... It goes without saying that there's still there are still Mike Tyson copies probably being shipped from Nintendo, let alone still in retailers. You know what I mean? So yeah, like what what did they do? Did they say, hey, all of your Mike Tyson, you got to take it off the shelves at this date yeah. if you got it? I mean, I would not put that past Nintendo of the time. They were Nazis about fucking everything with retailers, but yeah, I doubt that. That's, what are the that's chances probably, of that happening? Yeah, yeah, it seems, <laughs> in seems the eighties, a little, little right. far fetched, probably. 
see, that was it for the top 30 for me. There was nothing else, really. It was all kind of just same old, same old otherwise. Batman's in there at 9. Battle of Olympus at 10 is kind of ridiculous to me, but I don't know. That's a, that's a game, I think, that's kind of like, it's like a Zelda 2 clone, essentially, that I think some people like more than others. I am certainly the latter on that, for sure. I didn't I didn't think that game was that great. Yeah, I don't have that much familiarity with it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the rest makes sense. I mean, yeah. Dragon Warrior at 16 there, that's kind of fun. Uh, okay, so we next get a three-banger on a Konami by way of Ultra Joint I've never heard of called Roller Games. And they tagline this with the fastest action on eight tiny wheels. And the art is post-apocalyptic roller skating with attitude and vibe. And that's kind of fun. I kind of like the idea of that. The maps and stage headings suggest a side-scrolling brawler on wheels. And that does not sound like my bag. The power meter is at 75%, though, so that's pretty fucking good. Maybe not horrible. Did you have any experience with this prior to hitting here in the mag? So <laughs> this is the type of game that my mom would have brought home from far more I would have had for like three days for 99 cent rental and would have just made do so it I don't think I had played it before you know what I mean it, it doesn't like the sound and stuff sounds very familiar but like the gameplay that, that's, that's just Konami though that's just like yeah Konami that's what I mean stuff. I'm like I, like, I don't <laughs> think I've played this game before I don't think so but I you know, I had fun playing it though I did have fun I'm just saying yeah I've heard of it's like you know, side scrolling beat 'em up with on roller skates. I'm like, how bad are the controls for that? <laughs> yeah, but you have, but there's actually, in my opinion, there are some extensive things to get used to with the controls, which is good. Like you, I want to go fast like all the time because you're roller skating. Like there's some nuance that you have to really get with it. Um, I want to go fast because I'm on roller skates, but then if I do that, I invariably crash into things or fall in manholes. You know, because I can't Fun cut as fast yeah. as I want, you know, as, as I want to. And so I feel like there's actually a fair amount of strategy when you're playing it, too. It's not just like a walking beat em up on wheels. Like, you actually do have to control yourself and, and what you're doing and where you're going. So, I, yeah. Yeah, I, it was oh, It was not the total slippery mess. I'm not suggesting it was. I just, my expectation <laughs> was that it would be. Yeah, it was not as the, the slippery mess that I thought it would be. It controlled all right, again, for a game on skates. I thought it controlled pretty well. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it is absolutely a beat em up. And you know, man, that. But the, like the like those mechanics aren't bad either. Like it even like it it had double dragon grapple moves is kind of what I yeah. thought of. Like where you <laughs> you're, like you're pulling them down by the hair and then you're kneeing them in the face a few times yeah. before you toss them behind you, that kind of deal. You know, so that yeah, that there was yeah more to it was not just like skate around and punch people in the face. Like there was some kind of a little bit of strategy to the beat 'em up elements, and and that is uh, has been, traditionally been fairly hard to do, or you don't see it a lot, at least well done on the NES. So I was kind of impressed by that. Um, you do have a life meter for the brawling, uh, but there is, yes, you took me in the fucking manhole covers. There's a lot of insta-death shit with, with oh. pits and, and those. And after that, you start back at the beginning of the stage and you even pick up where you, wherever you left off. So that kind of had, yeah, <laughs> I, I went through a whole cycle of lives in my play and I was like, I'm not going to do that again. I'm all sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's a Konami game. It looks pretty solid. There's like some cool artwork in the beginning and shit. And you know, the music is fire cause it's Konami. So yeah, there's, there's some stuff going on there for sure. There's some extra role playing. You have to pick one of the teams, T-Birds, Hot Flash or Rockers at the start. And you set out to rescue the kidnapped owner of the roller game league. And, it's not really explained 
why I should give a shit about him or her. And the whole thing is presented in like this smarmy television show way that harks to me Running Man is what I thought of, you know, mm, yeah. uh, the, the Schwarzenegger flick. And, yep. you know, that that's like a, a reasonably good effort to build a story world for what is normally and just to fucking beat him up, you know. So I uh, kind of commended it for that, or I would commend it for that, but... I would guess, like you said, if you got this, if you had this as a kid, there's enough here where your memories of it would probably be pretty fond. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean it was fun enough for I'm like, all right, you yeah. know, I'm avoiding things. I'm fighting things. Like, I'm good. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it dropped in September, so that's Game F Live. We'll talk about that later. And next is two pages of holy shit, it's finally fucking out, NES Play Action Football. <laughs> yeah. Also dropped in September, just in time for football season, so that's that's smart, I guess. About a year of dawdling and false promises from Nintendo about its release after that. And they even highlight the fact or that fact in the opening copy blurb, they say, better late than never, the updated NES Play Action Football has arrived just in time for the new season. And they go on to say, which, while carefully not mentioning any actual NFL intellectual property, how NFL Players Association license allows them to utilize team rosters, including team acquisitions, as recent as spring 1990. So that's when the rosters are from, and that's, you know, that is certainly a, we've talked about this before when, when mentioning this long lineage of delays for this game, but, like, that is that is an NFL. 90-91 is, like, I can probably name every player in every on the entire NFL. Like that, that would have a football card, anyways. Obviously, I'm not. I, I can't name the backup linebacker that only plays special teams on most teams. But like, if you're a starting player on an NFL team, I probably if you say the name to me, I can tell you position and team. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, you know, yeah, Mike Tomzak, Brad Muster, Neil Anderson. That's the Chicago Bear. I can fucking I know it. Like, <laughs> like fucking yeah, just all too much. Stupid knowledge nice. from that era of, of NFL football. I was just fucking just glued to my football card sets. And you had the, you had the luxury, too, that particular era, like 90, 91, 92, too, I would say it's applicable. Those are the, th- that is the pro set heyday. So pro set, uh. those sets were like 800 cards. So they had damn near every player down to the fucking the linebacker on special teams only. So like that, you know, you that's how, that's the only way you're learning. You're not fucking getting you're not on the internet. You're not noticing rosters. Even when I'm watching games, I can't really follow enough to build, learn players. But the football cards are static in, in your possession. And, yeah. you know, you're just going through, renorming them, putting them in fucking binders, taking them out of binders. <laughs> just you know, all the different shit that my little fucking anal retentive organiza- organization-minded ass would have been doing with football cards back then. Like, I had the, the all those players pretty memorized. So they get into all the hardcore simulation efforts in the game design, each team having its own 24-play offensive playbook, being able to run the plays as designed or flip them in reverse, and you know that kind of essentially doubles the number, and there's fatigue and substitutions. You have 16 defensive plays, and it's, of course, uh, there's a whole bunch of the four-player peripheral potential mentions. Have an NES Satellite Sunday, they say here. So that's obviously yeah. a cool feature that's new and, and very fun. And I love how in the little rosters blurb they mention you can play as the Rocket Arm John Elway, Hall of Famer, Ronnie Lott, Hall of Famer, or Mike Rozier's Churning Power Running Back and not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> or really any professional note at all. And I actually said this to Jab. Yeah, I said this to Jab and seeing as he was, you know, Oilers, an Oilers RB, and Jab is an Oilers Titans fan, and even he laughed at that inclusion you know so that that is not a skewed perspective even a oilers fan of the time is kind of like what the fuck's he doing in there <laughs> you know and i wonder yeah i couldn't even imagine i mean he might have been my guess is 
that he was a hot draft pick or something. He was definitely drafted because actually what I did, I found he was drafted ahead of, of Thurman Thomas, I think. I think he was an 88, I want to say he was an 88 draft pick and drafted ahead of Thurman Thomas, which is hysterical. <laughs> so maybe that was one of those like, this guy's going to be big. He's right. Let's, let's get him in. You know, yeah. we can get him for cheap, cheaper. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, what the fuck was he? Yeah, he was like, it was some sort of big program too. So yeah, obviously running backs coming out of big programs that can often, often look incorrect. Just, just be a product yeah. of the system or the team, you know? There is no power meter for it here, and I'm wondering if this is a fleeting moment of journalistic integrity because it's a Nintendo of Nintendo of America release. I wonder, you know, I wonder why that is. Because I mean, obviously they've been fucking looking at this game for a year. They they have an idea of what they want to give it a power meter wise. <laughs> There's no way they they haven't had enough exposure to it to to come up with one. So I just I wonder what that's about exactly. Yeah, that's very weird. Yep. And we have already declared our mutual adoration of this game, despite its somewhat goofy and clunky gameplay style. You know, Uncle Ted and I used to play the shit out of it, couch co-op style, back in the day, and I've never done four-player before, and I feel like this is one of my life experience to date's biggest shortcomings, having not done that. But same, um, yeah, plenty of experience either way. So it's an interesting game. I don't. We just did a football game, so I think it's maybe a little bit tough of an idea to talk about it as a game episode. But I probably would still do it. <laughs> we should just play it anyway. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah definitely be some fun head to head shit with that. I mean, fucking, it sucks. There's no bills. I hate I hate that there's only eight teams, but it's still a fucking blast. What team do you use on there? What team? What, what's your? Oh, I've switched it up. I don't have like a, a one that I like right. specifically. Yeah, I've, I've tried a couple. Uh, I, I, I love. I'm, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I love San Francisco because you can do the, the onside kick trick with Ronnie Lott. He's fast as fuck. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of, that's one of those things though. If you're gonna play head to head, that needs to be one of those. You can't. You, that's not. A lot. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I love the game, but I definitely I was playing it the other day and definitely got whooped. So I was like, all right, I'm rusty. Let me really let me, let me get used to the to the catching mechanics again. You know, I, I can run the ball. Let me get used to accurately catching the ball and things. Yeah, the catching is it's yeah you gotta because it's not you gotta figure out it's it's like at the base of that arrow but a little bit off of it too it's not yeah it's and 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 when it cut it obviously it cut it cuts from the wide to the close up right before the catch which is a little extra you gotta you gotta get basically you gotta get your player to where it needs to be before we cut if like, yeah. If, you, if, yeah if he's not in position by the time we cut to the close up you're not catching that ball I'm like yeah. That's you know it's it's that simulation aspect of the of the gameplay is so they're, they're just literally they have no basis by which to try to figure that like they have no previous example to go okay let's take that let's do it like that yeah but make it a little better you know and they, they are literally blazing a trail and a half I think, <laughs> with the gameplay in this game so you know i i would uh, be reluctant to have any critical anything because they're just so boundary pushing as far as the football game goes the simulation aspects you know yep 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 so we have classified information coming at us next and i'm really glad we hadn't found this Captain Skyhawk level skip hack before doing the game app on it, or I'm certain you would have used it. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. My first thing was like, okay, now we got the hack here. Yeah. Where were you three episodes, three issues yeah. ago? Yeah, you just have to hold up and be on controller two at any point during any stage, 
and your plane flies up and out of the level you're currently in and you move on to the next and that you know i don't even know to have that because that's not even that's a you know most games don't just like to skip the level you know what i mean like it's like yes level select yeah whatever like different things to to be able to move around in the game at will but the idea of programming something in that's just kind of like this sucks fuck this let me out of here <laughs> you know it's kind of i don't know you don't see that a lot and that's an interesting design choice i think that's because the game is terrible and they were like yeah, <laughs> we're gonna make it really tough on purpose because we hate you all but we want to take your money so in case you figure it out this is a way to skip past the ones yeah, that you suck yeah. at yeah the only other thing in here that meant anything to me is they tell you how to initiate the slide puzzle minigame in Final Fantasy. The rest of these, though, are just kind of meh. Nothing, nothing in there good, in my opinion. Anything in there that you stuck out to you? Plucked Not in really. Nostalgia strings? I mean, the Final Fantasy one, obviously. And then, like, the Tetris chick was pretty pretty cheesy. Like, get into instant Tetris. Come on. Uh, but other than that, nothing, nothing really interesting. Instant Tetris. What was it? Oh, yeah, it's just like uh, it's just cheese. Like, there's nothing. I don't know. It's one of those tricks. Just like, okay, this is a trick. It's not something that I'm gonna regularly use in a game to like make me right, better right, or give right. me a higher score. You know, it's like whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, just one click above. Here's how you do the sound test. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. NES Achievers after that, and we have some decent Ohio representation here. A Maslin uh, kid for Rip Boy Blah. We have Canton for Cobra Triangle. Delaware for Clash of Demon Head. Urbana, Urbana for Mickey Mousecapades. The Dirty Natty for Rollerball. <laughs> Avon for Super Mario Land. And Toledo for Top Gun 2. And there's a lot of commonly known spots in here, but Urbana jumped out to me as an opportunity for our first Ohio geography lesson in quite some time. Jay, where is Urbana, Ohio located? Um, I'll insert, well, I, I'll, insert, I'll insert the Jeopardy theme here. <laughs> I've always pronounced it Urbana, but I just okay. I just know it's north of Columbus somewhere. I okay. Couldn't tell you it, where. That sounds pretty good. That's a pretty good guess. It's in Champaign County, the Miller High Life of counties, just a <laughs> stone's throw west of Franklin County where your mighty amateur football team, the Buckeyes, hails from, yes. <laughs> so the 2020 census clocks it in at 11,115 human beings buzzing about. There's only two things of any note whatsoever that were on the wiki, from my perspective anyhow, and one of them was some depressing-ass shit I don't want to get into. The non-depressing <laughs> one is where Clancy, this is where Clancy Brown was born, a damn accomplished character actor and producer. You recognize him if you saw his face. He was in Shawshank, Starship Troopers, and many other things, like a real authority figure type. You know, usually play like a fucking general or something. <laughs> so, nice, nice. So he's from Urbana. That is the Super Mario Brothers 3 World 4 theme, bringing us into some more feature action in Nintendo Power 16. And the first thing we have here is three pages on Rare's Snake, Rattle, and Roll. This dropped back in July, so it's it's fair game. When I turned the page and I saw this, I thought to myself, I've never played this, but I feel like I've heard of it, and I see Rare, and I just had a feeling that it was going to be awesome. 
That was that was that was what I thought to myself when I first saw this. Really? And it's an ice yeah, it's an isometric platformer where you play as a snake, and I see two player co op mode touted, seventy two point five percent of the power meter. The artwork is very cutesy. I'm like, okay, how can this how can this go wrong? <laughs> and I fired it up with that intent or that that mindset, and it had rare vibes right away. The title screen, it's got David Wise music glaringly apparent when you first turn it on simple but good and some interesting background animation and even more when the game screen first popped up and there's a a very what i would call captain skyhawk color palette and graphics and then and you know the same compliment solstice controls in the isometric plague area grid is is kind of how i perceive this and you control you can yeah you control a snake where you have to kind of power up to extend his body to a point where you or where it has enough power to ring this carnival strength test game style bell, kind of like the, the you know like the slam the hammer down, how strong are you kind of thing that they have at carnivals, and you have a tongue attack that you can pick up power pellets and or attack a bunch of random shit flying all over the place that can take you out, and it it like it just it all felt very messy to me. It was a very messy, sloppy control experience and gameplay experience did you have a differing i you know i <laughs> i kind of came into it like what am i even trying to do like I, it took me a little while to figure out what me too I was, yeah what i was right. trying to do i definitely bounced around like yeah t- dude i need to ring this bell i didn't realize that i had to get to a certain length that doesn't you know there's no yeah explicit it's like objectives are unclear please assist right. <laughs> you know yeah i played until like level three so that's saying something you know really like it, yeah, I, I kind of got used to it. Once I got rolling a little bit, I was like, okay, I I, I think I'm, I think I'm good here. But yeah, it's it was fun, man. Um, the controls take a bit getting used to. Like you really have to start understanding like what you, what button press does what. You know, there's sometimes where I feel like with some games like this, you can kind of fudge through it. Like I'm just trying to go that way. Just take me that way. But, like, <laughs> there are. I think it was level three I was on was waterfalls. If you don't jump in the right place, you're getting like washed down the waterfall and you got to start over. So it's like, I, I have to know that I need to hit up to jump that way, or I have to be on this scale. So learning that precision and like what it takes, you know, I, I so I guess what I'm saying is the, the learning curve is a little, little steeper, but once you get there, it's kind of like, okay, I, I can see this. I can see how yeah. this is a fun game. I feel, yeah, I finished the very, first level. Yeah. I finished the first level. I, I, I think it was the second level where you just like you turn that corner and there's some water and like the water was like a, a huge problem. Like yeah, <laughs> staying out of the, staying out of the water was a huge problem. And once you're in the water, you're fucked. And you don't die, but like getting back up on land, I think was difficult. And there's obviously the things that track. Like there's some sort of like a shark or something that tracks you when you go into the water. That's like incentivizing you to get the fuck out of the water, mm-hmm. so you can't. I guess use the water as just like exactly. a as like a bypass for the shit you got to deal with on land. That's the yeah. idea there. But yeah, what, that second level, I was like, I played, I couldn't really get anywhere in, and I kept dying. Like you couldn't jump on the, yeah. Just uh, the second level, I was like, nah, I'm good on this. <laughs> I died several times with that too until I was like, okay, okay, I got it, I got it. I think it was that level that had like, okay, I kind of like this once I finally got used to it a little more and figured out like. <laughs> I don't know if it was luck or just figuring out like I gotta land on this little spot so I don't get eaten by the shark in the water like you know yeah but it was fun after that 
Yeah, I wanted to like it. Uh, I, and, you know, and again, maybe, yes, if you a little more familiarity or a little more comfort level with the controls, rather, it might get there with it. But yeah. a little messy uh, on just a short dabble. After that, we have a three spot on the September Iron release of Kickle Cubicle. This was a cover deal. And it is a top-down action puzzler. And we all know that's a flavor I dig. The artwork is very cute. The story goes like this. Frozen solid by the Wicked Wizard King's magic, the fantasy kingdom awaits rescue. Our hero, Kickle, must use his hot powers and his gray cells to kick out the Wizard King and thaw the fantasy kingdom. And the power meter is 75%, and this is very clearly Adventures of Lolo vibes in every possible way. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. So I fired it up, and yes, it is Lolo. You can freeze stuff and use the frozen blocks and puzzle solution, as puzzle solutions, rather, and you can just immediately tell it's good fun. I like Lolo more, probably, but immediately evident that this is a good game, well designed, the puzzle elements are cool, the freezing tool is like a nice twist on yes an already existing concept in Lolo so like I just everything about it I was kind of I was pretty impressed and I it looked great and 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 I think it, it would be you know added to the play it when you're fuck around list uh, shit worth playing list now that I can now that you edited it <laughs> I mean I I have to say I agree um I it kind of reminds me of Dig Dug 2 and I played many levels of this Josh and and I and I save stated my progress to come back later. So yeah, you know it's that's that's it's a hell of a kind of addictive. Yeah. Kind of addictive. Yeah. What can I say? You you said yeah. what it, you said. I don't know if there needs to be anything else said, but yeah, it's a fun game. Yep, agreed. Agreed. Word. Oh, uh, counselor's corner now, featuring maybe still the next side quest. Crystallis is in here, and uh, I guess not. I guess that I wrote that prior to uh, a certain decision that we've made. <laughs> via democracy proof democracy yes. doesn't always work <laughs> snake's revenge <laughs> snake's oh. revenge is also in here there's some more Shadowgate, boy and his blob baseball stars and wrath of the black manta and nothing particularly interesting in any of the tips but we do have a couple of mullet counselors on display here that need their shine <laughs> mike frazier has a full-bodied bangs mullet and his sole hobby is medical research and I don't know how that makes me feel inside, but it's, it's something that's a little off-putting for sure. <laughs> His highest game score is Finish Kid Cool in one hour and 48 minutes, which I personally find more unsettling than the medical research interest, to be honest with you. And he normalizes out a little with his favorite games, though. Those are Super Mario Bros. 3 and Metroid, and they're, they're tied in his book. And those are both great games, and I agree with that. Hans Lowe has a banker mullet helmet, and he... Kills time by skiing, drawing, boating, traveling, bungee cord jumping, all banker things except maybe the drawing, I would say. Those are definitely banker activities. And highest game score is finishing Ninja Gaiden without looking at the screen. A very, very banker claim to make, I would say. A popped collar banker <laughs> thing to say. And his favorite game is Ninja Gaiden 2. And I can support that, I suppose. Clearly a Ninja Gaiden fan. Uh, yeah. Anything to add about the Mullet guys? I mean, can, can we both agree that Jeff looks like Borat, like from the movie? He does, yeah. He just, you say hi to him, he just says, hello, I'm very nice. Yeah, and yeah, that, yeah that, is, that, that, that mustache has got to be a problem when eating. Right, and he has a full suit and tie. Like, what are <laughs> yeah, you right. doing here? You yeah, know? yeah, do you, well, I mean, fucking Mike Frazier there above him. 
is also he didn't go with the tie, I suppose. So he's he, but he's in a suit too. You know, I just have to, you know, I I look at this dude, and I mean, you got again. We're in a different era where picture taking is more of an event. It's not, sure. you know what I mean. We don't have fully functional cameras in our pockets at all time. People taking candid photos of everything at all times. So when you hear. I'm getting my photo taken for the gameplay counselor profiles of Nintendo Power. These motherfuckers spent some extra time that morning for sure. <laughs> you know, everything here is more time was spent on it than is normal. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna roast him too bad for that. It's lame, don't get me wrong, but I'm not gonna roast him too bad because it is you know your school picture you put on that button up too that you don't wear any other day, Jay. So. If you're gonna roast him, you gotta roast. I don't him. know. If you're gonna, if you're gonna roast him, you gotta roast yourself. I don't know. We'll, we'll let it go. We'll we'll, we'll we'll agree to disagree. What? Well, I, that's, I don't know. Ed Ridgeway. Ed Ridgeway looks very laid da- laid back. Yeah. Collar unbuttoned. Sure. Like he's sure, like, sure, hey, sure. this is cool. Nintendo right. power. Let's yeah, go. Sure. Well, listen. This was this was a great infographic opportunity. We should we should mine out our school pictures, the both of us. Oh man. And we should we should we should do a percentage, the number of times that. And I guess there's some such. Maybe it could just be as simple as, as is there a collar or not? I suppose, but so we can make it some sort of objective, definitive thing. But it might be more fun to just qualify it as how many you dressed up for and how many you just kind of like took the cool approach. You know what I mean? For for school pictures out of all twelve grades, you know, or thirteen grades. Throw, oh, that's th- easy. Throw, yeah. throw kindergarten in here. Were, were, you, <laughs> were, you, were you a dress up every time, or what are you, no, what are you saying? I mean, I I looked nice, but I definitely. If I ever had a collar, it was maybe like second grade or some random early grade that I don't remember. But like, I have no recollection because my mom used to keep like a book of all my pictures. Sure. I have no recollection of any time of me wearing a collar outside of like being a senior, and that's that was at a specific event. So yeah, I, yeah, okay. I think I'm good with this. And this uh, I I, I would guess. I think even my third grade one, I might have had. I think I had some like bib overalls on, maybe. Um, or no, I don't know. Yeah, I I want to say just off the cuff that my mom probably dressed me up, but once she died and I took control of this, my dad was definitely not had zero input on this subject. He might not even they probably didn't even know they were happening. The uh, once I had control of it, I was definitely playing the cool card for sure. I was definitely dressing up. I, I know one year I had like a, I had the Chicago Bulls shirt that was like it was like a two shirt kind of thing it was like one of those shirts that had like it looked like there was an undershirt oh yeah you know so i had like a little bit of red that stuck out at the neck and on the sleeves you know i mean red rock that one year i definitely had some some bib overall action one time with one thing down uh <laughs> yeah like you had to have just the one strap then. yeah <laughs> for sure i fucking i dude i and I don't know why I wasn't. I mean, I guess kid, the kid they didn't make you change. Maybe that's probably why you just wore whatever you wore in gym class, which is insane. But the, uh, I remember I we were doing. I want to say it was fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade, and we were doing high jump in gym class. So you know the thing, the fucking bar across the thing. Yeah. And I was wearing those stupid fucking things with one thing hanging down, and I did it. What? And knocked the bar off with the with the thing hanging off my back. 
and it knocked the and however it happened it ended up ripping my thumbnail off because the bar came off and like just something happened while I was falling and like ripped my fucking thumbnail half off because of those stupid fucking oh. things it hurt. I, I can still picture how it looked and like <laughs> half of the nail hanging off my thumb and it was so painful and like the thing about that is that's hard as fuck so you want to push it down and like fix it so it's not hitting things so it but it, because it's hard on a now a ripped thumb like that hurt too like fixing it hurt so it was just it was an awful fucking terribly painful experience but yeah fucking bib overalls <laughs> never high jump in bib overalls <laughs> yeah never never high jump in bib overalls particularly if you're gonna let one hang down uh just as life lessons, just as life lessons go put that in your fucking pipe and smoke it <laughs> Uh, after that, we have a five-banger plus fold-out map poster for Ultra Konami's Mission Impossible come flying, coming flying at us next. And this dropped in September 2. It's a top-down shooter based on a short-lived 1988-1990 TV series I knew not of, which is a continuation of a 1966-273 TV series that fared much better back in its day, but I also did not know of. And a bunch of actors I don't really know, but the, there is one OG cast member, Peter Graves, that they brought back full time for this the short lived uh, eighty eight to ninety stint of the show, and they have a, a handful of guest stars where they brought OG cast members back just for a, an episode or two. But I watched about three minutes of the pilot, and it's exactly as horrible as I anticipated it would be. It was like this, you know. It's I mean old exactly. TVs old TVs already like a little stilted and. You know, they, they didn't have the camera mobility that you have nowadays. And it's just, right. it's all a little kind of just a play happening in front of a camera on a tripod kind of feel to it, you know. But this was like, it was like this fucking guy going up into this penthouse party and he's got some little gadget that he like shoots something across the room at this dude while he's drinking and like it poisons him and he starts acting all crazy and like sets the fight he gets set on fire like in the fucking party it was just it was all so bad but yeah I could, that could, sounds could, ridiculous yeah I couldn't yeah I could not stick with anymore yeah like I said maybe three minutes of it so not a show that is probably all that great evidenced by the fact it only lasted two seasons but I did fire the game up also and for starters they did a they did do a reasonably admirable job of having the opening cinematic in the game capture the feel and some of the aesthetic of the show's opening credit sequence. So that's bravo Konami for that, I think. And they, of course, did a bang-up job of digitizing the Mission Possible music theme. Konami ain't fucking around on the music tip. That's always the case. They did not deviate from that here. And there's a lot of shit going on in this game. Did you play this game? Yeah, I... So... <laughs> I really just... I, I see Mission Impossible and I immediately turn my nose up. I'm just like... We've talked about so it. Many movies. This IP yeah, sucks. Yeah, this IP sucks. And so I'm just, I look at this and I'm just like... Whatever, I'll just play it just to play it. And so initially I thought the game was whack. You know, and then I started understanding some of the things you can and can't do and how you navigate. So I started to get it, but it's just really not that fun. It's just meh. Like, I, I get it. Like, at first I was just like, I don't understand. This is dumb. But then once I got it, I was like, okay, I understand that I'm doing things. 
but I'm I'm not really enjoying it. So that that is that is a great emotional flow chart that I think I <laughs> matched exactly. Like yeah, so so yeah, you're a team of three dudes, each with a unique set of weaponry and I'm guessing skill set. And there's a weapons expert, there's a techie dude, there's a master of disguise. You can switch between them at will with the start button, kind of a la Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is nice, I think. And it's a like a straight top-down perspective you have which is that's that's one of the weirdest parts about it i think yeah and you know needless to say that it's a little fucking weird and so you know everyone is essentially just a head a set of of, of like a head and shoulders uh, or rather a head and a set of shoulders <laughs> you know straight top down and and the first stage is the streets of moscow which is very fitting for the cold war era of course or cold war era and so you start in the street, and there's cars speeding down the road that will run your ass right over, so you're best to stay on the sidewalks. And there are people walking on everywhere, most of which are innocent bystanders that if you kill, your mission ends immediately. So yeah. you can't just you can't just start fucking spraying people, you know? Which I like that. You know, I like the fact that like, you know, there's you are uh you're infiltrating. You're supposed to be an operative in a civilian setting, accomplishing a militaristic goal. So that's Cool, you know, and I think that's a good way to capture that. The problem with this is some of them will just start attacking you out of nowhere, and there's no discernible difference in them that I could tell, anyways. They will announce themselves very briefly with a speech bubble that says you <laughs> in it prior to attacking, but with the top down view, it's not easy to get an attack on them in the window before they knock some life off your meter. Like the because of that straight top down thing, you only have. You know, you could only go in one of the eight fucking analog directions. There's no, you know, you don't have a stick. So you're not, you can't hit little nuanced directions depending on where you're at passing them or where they're at in relation to you, you know. So it's, yeah, it's kind of hard to avoid damage. And that sucks. And your life meter runs down. You lose the character and are automatically switched to one of the other two. And and if all get captured, game over. So again, very Teenage Mutant Turtle-ish in that regard. And so that's like the overworld deal. And there's buildings you can walk into, warehouses and bars and shit where you can talk to informants. One of them gave me a street pass that I'm sure has some narrative significance here in the first level. I think you got to use it to get through this alleyway area that I was trying to get through and getting fucking absolutely mowed down by a million different enemies, you know. And there's a password continue feature that allows you to enter a very simple four-letter code in a fucking mainframe and they've omitted some of the potentially confusing letters no o because there's a q etc etc so they do a good job of that and the fact that it's only four digits is of course good uh no dumb shit there and yeah like exactly like you described like i'm at first i was just like completely turned off because i'm like what the fuck is going on here, you know? And, like, yeah. you, you kind of figure out, yeah, some of the functions. You're like, okay, I got to the end of the street. I got that street pass. Like, now I can go through this alley here in the middle to the north. Uh, but I was still getting attacked, so I don't I don't know what happens when you get up there. But, you know, and you talk to people. That's obviously interesting. Gather information, kind of Metal Gear-ish in that regard. I like that. But just, yeah, something like, you know, you get the hang of it. Like, okay, I see what's happened here. I understand what my objective is. Now I can kind of get into it. But, like, the action component of it is just not good enough to be fun. You know what I mean? Like, what they're guiding me through is interesting and fun. But the act of doing it sucks. (laughs) You know, and that's, you know, uh, 101. It's got to, the, 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 just, you know, Gary Kitchen 
fucking direct quote. The, the, the thing you're doing over and over, the act that you're pressing into the controller has to be fun first. That has to be the first thing. You build around that, but the first stop in game design is the activity, the repetition has to be, the gameplay loop has to be fun or you're going to lose them, you know, and they didn't yeah. do that here despite a that's, whole that's, shit that's ton That's what we're of, here to do. I'm here to play right. a game and have some fun. If I'm not, yeah. then I'm going to play something else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> so yeah, they, they, they skipped the important part for this, I think. I mean, you know, it, like I still think it might be Again, like once you get the hang of that, I think there's a whole bunch of interesting shit going on that probably makes it if you can get past that, or if you were a kid that has the nostalgia for it. Like again, Lord Disciple Mac uh, on the on the Facebook page, he expressed like he said he plays this game once every couple of years, all the way through. Like he has that much of an affinity for it, um, you know. So there's something there that some people like, and it, it's, it's, I think if I recall correctly, it was just a kind of a high engagement. Like I, I posted the credit sequence uh, on the Facebook page and, and Instagram and shit. And I think the high, the engagement that was pretty good. So there's people out there that like this game. So I think there's something there. But yeah, I think the the startup cost is a lot uh, as, as far as the just the mechanics of the gameplay. Unfortunately, from there we have a 12 page Game Boy Palooza coming at us next, uh, as promised on the cover. And they have a big focus on the TMNT game. Jab had both that and Snoopy's Magic Show puzzle game in here that I remember both pretty fondly. And he also had that Bo Jackson football and baseball cart they are previewing at the end. And the baseball game, and that was really good. Football was shitty as fuck, but the, the baseball game was good. Did you ever fuck with that? Uh, Bo Jackson? No. Yeah. No. Yeah, the baseball game was pretty good. Uh, probably, I mean... I can't think of a baseball game I would say is better, actually, that I ever played on it. Uh, I don't think I ever really fucked with the bases loaded on there. Maybe that's better because bases loaded is obviously a better, one of the better NES games. But, yeah, I played the shit out of that baseball game on, on, on Bo Jackson for sure. They wrapped this feature up with a full list of all 43 titles that had been released for the handheld through October 90. Collect them all. And their first Game Boy Top 10 and in here, they have Tetris holding down number one, Golf at two, which is kind of wild to me, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at three. We also have Double Dragon, Final Fantasy Legend, Revenge of the Gator, Gargoyle's Quest, Batman, Super Mario Land, Korth, rounding out the ten. And they're requesting that you send in your top ten also. So I thought it would be fun to do our top three uh, from this 43, of course. There's um, more games to come out later that we can deal with at a later date. But from this list, what would you peg as your top three, Jay? Mine are Super Mario Land, number one. It's a great game. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's Mario. Like, you can't yeah. really flagship yeah, I, kind of title. You know? Yeah, I, I think I think no expounding is needed. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? Uh, and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, yeah, the game. You, one you like this one? Quality. Yeah, really? I thought it was good. It's it's not like the underwater Ninja Turtles one one you know I kind of remember this one. Um, it was good because so, like the we, the the sprite with your sprite was so big relative to the environment that it was a little I mean yeah I still played the shit out of it but it was it's fucking turtles but it it was yeah. a little goofy and I don't know if I could get it into a top. Yeah, it thing. seemed more more arcadeish like obviously not like the arcade but closer to that type of feel which was like Nirvana at the time versus. Yeah. The, the first one, you know, on the NES. So. I can feel that. I can feel that. Enjoyed that one. And then Tetris, naturally. It's a great game. Okay. Like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get a ton of uh, Game Boy games. I didn't have a ton of them, but like, 
like looking at this list, like that top three is easy. easy. Okay. Word, word, word. I also, Super Mario Land is also my top one. I agree with that. Nice. Number two for me is Motocross Maniacs. I've talked about this briefly before, I think. Okay, but yeah, yeah th- this was it was a, a, a side view acrobatic dirt bike game that is not really the type of game I would normally dig, but there was something about the acrobatic nature of it that was really fun and, and, and interesting. A lot of power-ups, too, that you could get that uh, kind of made it a little more... You know, it's very excite bike. I mean, like I said, dirt bike, so of course it's like a psych bike. But the the side view of it, very different. And then, yes, the acrobatic component of it very uh, added a whole layer of gameplay that a racing game normally wouldn't wouldn't have in it. So, yeah, that was one. I played the shit. I, that was... Again, I, I, I can... I, I think of my Game Boy games in the order with which I can remember the way I obtained them because I stored them in that order in my, <laughs> in my fucking little case. So, like, I know it was the fourth... I know it was the fourth card I ever got. We go Tetris, Super Mario Land, Alleyway, Motocross Maniacs was number four. And, okay. yeah, that. So, I, it was an early uh, acquisition. And probably, you know, like, obviously, Super Mario Land, Tetris... Like, Great game, but it's just a puzzle game, and like, yep. you play it, you 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 kill some time with it, but it's not a game you like immerse yourself in. It's just something you yeah, do. Like for a I'm bit. going back to that and just getting sucked in. Though. Right, Super Mario Land is obviously you play that, you beat it in the in the story, and that was I got that for Christmas. I had those two games, so that's all I played when I first got it. So I I kind of got through that. Alleyway is kind of similar to Tetris in the sense that it's like it's an arcade style, old old school style arcade game. You're just you know it's 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 breaking the blocks, you know, it's just kind of something you do. Motocross Maniacs was the first game after Mario that was like, this is like, there's there's courses, I have to beat this certain, it's like a game, you know, it's a full game. So yeah, I just, because I didn't have anything else, I spent so much time with that game. Um, yeah, really, really good memories of that one. And then Final Fantasy Legend, that that first Final Fantasy being out here is is, is key, that game's fucking great. Jabs, I was just going to say, that was like the first, I like seeing this list, like knowing having played the original Final Fantasy now and wanting to play others, I'm just kind of like, I wish I could have, I wish I had had that game and could have appreciated it back then. At that time, yeah. I would love, because, you know, you say that, and I'm sure we've mentioned it, but those games are not, they don't really exist in the Final Fantasy story. They kind of, I don't have the exact verbiage or the exact story, but they—I almost like it's almost like they licensed that name mm. for like their secret of mana games is what they are. Uh, it's like a completely different story world, and it's just very, very different. They're great, but like if you go into that expecting a Final Fantasy feel, you know, I—I I, I would, especially without the nostalgic component of it, I would love to hear your take on that. That would be an interesting thought experiment because it, it they feel very different i think than the normal nes final fantasy lineage you know so i'd be i'd be, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that after getting into it maybe jab will talk us into it one day we have the previews now and we start with a two banger on capcom's little nemo the dream master hit in september so it's live and it's this is based on a comic strip from the 1900s so capcom was really st- fucking strumming the topical pulp culture strings with this IP choice, I think. Uh, it's kind of like Dick Tracy we talked about. Just like, what? You know? But, so they're, they're descript- da- Hold on, hold on, Josh. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. 
mentioned Little Nemo in the same vein as Dick Tracy. Tracy. Okay. okay. Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not talking about the games. Nemo's name. I'm not talking about the games. <laughs> I'm simply talking about the IP. I know. I know. Uh, I agree. There's a big gap between call. Although I've said before, my Dick Tracy, kind of like we just talked about with the uh, Mission Impossible game, like the action component of it is dog shit, but the game world and like what they try to do with the narrative and what you're trying to accomplish in the game is actually very interesting and I, and I, I would say positive things about Dick Tracy the Nintendo game in that regard but anyhow the the way they describe this um, here in the mag is are you tired of action games with evil ugly aliens then take a break and enter the whimsical world of Slumberland and Little Nemo featuring the challenging but non-violent play it's filled with or, or not the but Nonviolent play is filled with fantastic animals and dreamy locations that will appeal to players of all ages. There's clearly a G-rated vibe to the game, and they are clearly pushing hard there with that nonviolent <laughs> verbiage. But I believe, like, I remember playing this as a kid, and I think that subconsciously, not actively, but subconsciously turned me off to it to some degree because I couldn't get into this game as a kid. And like I'm, I'm almost certain that Jab and I rented it, and we, yeah, we, yeah, we could not get, yeah, we couldn't get into it. But, dude, yeah, my opinion of it here is not the same, Jay. You can, you can fucking uh, calm down, have a fucking, have, have a, have, have a, have a, have a hit on the pen and relax. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they go on to explain here that it is a Sunday comic. Created by a dude named Windsor McKay, who is also one of the pioneers of animation, which is a pretty cool backstory to this 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 property here. He started to transition from static cartoons that were wildly popular to animation in the 1910s after his kid brought home a flip book that sparked his intrigue towards moving pictures. And that's really fucking cool, I think. That he like, you know, he worked animation, his kid brings this thing home and he's like, Whoa, wait a minute. This is a game changer, you know, and that's a really cool yeah. realization, I think. Very, very cool backstory. Anyhow, action platformer for Capcom, it's probably actually fucking great, you know, just by those two statistics alone, or those two attributes alone, rather. And it's an 80% of the power meter, so Nintendo Power certainly fucking thinks so as well. It's the highest in the mag. And, yes, I fired it up, and the opening credit cinematic is fucking incredible. I had, like, the one shot from it in my, uh, as my background in the last segment, and, you know, it's absolutely beautiful to get like capcom is top shelf in this era so you wouldn't think otherwise but they, they nailed it here as well the action platformer aspects of it are very strong there's like a really good effort towards storytelling you have good capcom controls there's this like candy throwing attack that you can subdue some of the creatures with and it allows you to ride slash transform into them and gain their ability so again little mega manny kind of vibe thing going on there and yeah man it's good probably a like a just a ton of fun to game up this 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 video game i think so you know nothing negative whatsoever to say about it really like really really other than you know again them trying to baby that ip but then you know it's whatever it's video games so i understand this requirement for some this game games. is absolutely a favorite of mine like all-time yeah. favorite of mine I'd did you you play you have like you played it as a kid you have memories oh of it? yeah as yeah. a kid absolutely freaking loved this game it i don't know there's there's not a whole lot of games that you mention them and, like, from my childhood, and I'm like, absolutely, yes. Like, 100%. Like, this is one of those where I played it, and I was just like, you know, like, it may have even been a rental. Like, I don't know how, like, when I got it, you know. But it was, like, I didn't have any knowledge of it. I clearly didn't know it was based on a comic strip. It was kind of just like, all right, I have this game to play. 
but I played through it. And I was like, oh, yes. Like, just <laughs> so many fond memories, man. Just amazing game. Yeah. Amazing game. Like, this is the type of game, if it was remastered today, and I think it may have been, like, I'm interested in playing it. Word, word, word. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, that that functionality with the the animals and stuff, very cool. And it, yeah, and I, I mean, we're, I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but yeah, yeah, gain their abilities. So yeah, like the I think the first one was the frog, I believe, and yeah. it immediately allows you to jump higher. And I actually, I got, I tried. I don't think I was able to beat the first level. I got like to some wall I couldn't jump over, so I was even like kind of stonewalled a little bit in the gameplay. I even the first level, and I was still digging it. I still like I turned it off with a positive vibe even though I got stuck very early on so yeah, yeah I mean I think yeah I I, it, I I can totally buy the idea of playing that as a as a game episode dude there's definitely a level of how am I going to figure out how to beat this part you know like but as a kid like you know I hated we talk all the time about how I hated any kind of strategy like I just want to fight things and have fun and play puzzles but this is one of those games where it wasn't as straightforward and I had to kind of think about it, and I, but I still loved it. So can't say enough good things. Word. Capcom. Next, we have Dragon Warrior 2 from Enix. It's another two-pager. And this was released in September, which means we have officially dawdled long enough on embarking on our next RPG side quest that this game has entered the chat. Yeah, so there's some very swords and sorcery oil painting artwork headlining the feature here in the mag with an awesome table setting blurb that I want to read. For years after the Dragonlord was defeated, peace ruled the land of Alephgard. Descendants of Erdric reigned there and in the nearby lands of Moonbrook and Canock. Few dreamed that another evil of the Dragonlord's magnitude would rise again, but alas, this time of prosperity was not to last. Out of nowhere, the evil sorcerer Hargon struck, leveling the castle of Moonbrook and threatening to conquer the entire world. Hargon's enemies now roam the world, waylaying travelers and wreaking havoc. And Jay, waylaying is a good word. It's I now, a great word. Yeah, now now I intend to bring back into common usage. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, great copywriting here. They actually give it a paltry 72.5% on the power meter, and I'd like to speak with the fucking manager immediately about that. But... The second page touches on a few of the broad strokes of the game. They have an illustration of the world map and highlight that in the original lands of Alephgard, or rather that, that the original lands of Alephgard are only a small part of the now larger map. And I fucking love this. It's like that it's a recognizable in the game as the full map in the first game. You know, it's just like, it's just, I just can't believe more games hadn't thought to do it or didn't do it or whatever. I mean, I know there's technical limitations there and that's part of it, but it's just an in-game nostalgia pluck that is so well done and so fucking amazing. And, you know, they did like a the only other predecessor to this, at least on the NES that I, I know of, and I didn't even realize it as a kid. I found this out a few years ago doing podcast shit, is that The Legend of Zelda's full map is in that south-central part of the map of... Hyrule and Adventures oh, really? of Link. Yeah, like that um, Death Mountain and the Graveyard and just some of those little, some of the, I mean, it's, you know, it's way scaled down. And like, that's the thing, like, it's 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 more recognizable here in Dragon Warrior 2 than it was in Adventure of Link. So like I said, I didn't even know it. But in, in here, there's no way to miss it. You, you know, you when you hit this part of the game, because you don't start there, you start this other fucking part of the game so like yeah so like when you stumble into this 
semi-early, if I recall correctly, that you, that you hit this part of the map, you're like, oh my god, that's the fucking, like, you, you know, when you, like, you're out adventuring and you see it and you're like, oh my god, that's the Dragon Lord's Castle across the thing there in the little swamp because it's so easily identifiable, uh, identifiable yeah. in the in the little swamp tiles and then right across the water, right across the river is 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 Tantagel and it's just like, oh my god, oh, holy fuck, that's incredible, you know. <laughs> so just, yeah, I, remember, I remember first seeing that and just being, like, absolutely floored that, you know, it would just be recognizable to you. Uh, in the middle of gameplay. It was so fucking good. So that's really cool. I like that a lot. And they also touch on how you'll control three Erdrick descendants, not just the one, and battle parties of enemies that are not just sol- solitary monsters. So, you know, you're battling parties of enemies now, and that's, needless to say, a completely different strategy breadth than you get in the first game, just battling single enemies. So that's very cool. And there's also a ship in here to take the high seas with. So they mentioned that, and that's, of course, cool, too. It opens up the map and changes the way you're interacting with the world. You don't have to just stay on land. That's awesome. So maybe, just maybe, we'll make a side quest announcement later in this episode about a topic similar to this particular game. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, so wait. Was there... You've turned it on. You said you've turned it on and like thought it like threatened playing it. But had you seen anything prior to this feature that really talked about gameplay elements or anything? No, I turned it on and just like started just to like turn it on and name my character and kind of start it up. But I didn't. I just noticed like, wow, this looks very much like the last game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. So yeah, totally blind then. All right, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, well, then the question there, do, do you, did reading this further incentivize? Had you read this before we had our discussion? I did not, I had not read this. Okay. But I did, well, I noticed the, like, the sizing thing. And I was just like, whoa. But I, but I don't know, like, to me, I wasn't sure if this was just saying, size-wise, this map is far bigger, and that's just there, but you're never going to go there type of thing. So, like, the idea of, like, oh, if I play this, like, I'll actually go to that area again is pretty cool. Or be able to see it's like, whoa, really? You know, I just expect games to be separate, like they are everywhere else. You know, this is the second game, but it's taking place at the next kingdom or someplace else. And that's, you know. Yep, no, no, yeah. It it fully envelopes it as a story where it's really cool. I kind of hate even that you didn't have that. (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're deprived of that realization in game but what are you gonna do okay so moving on this issue is just a banger drop after banger drop uh, as we now turn to another september release of note zippo which is really just an extension of rare developed trade west released solar jetman and this is a legacy title jab and i had or jab had rather so i have a really strong nostalgic tie to it and have picked it up in my childhood reclamation project i have the cartridge now and they give it a 72.5 on the power meter and i think that's a fair assessment as it can be as i've mentioned many times when discussing it quite punishing in the difficulty category despite a lot of really really cool shit in the gameplay going on and it is an action space flight game across a bunch of different planets with all different gravitational effects to them and or gravitational environments, I guess, to them. And that's critical because your main focus in the game is hauling various upgrades and treasures back to your main spaceship with a smaller space salvaging tow vehicle. And you do have some shooting capability, and I wouldn't say it's irrelevant to the game, but if you are too dedicated to killing shit, you will fail in this game. It is not about 
battle. You know what I mean? It's about collecting these things and just getting them back to the spaceship so you can implement them into the game, how they need to be implemented. And the enemies, and like that's the best way, I guess, that that is that it manifests itself in the gameplay. The enemies and the levels don't respawn. So you can go through and clear out a track from this item you need to get back to the ship so you can do it cleanly without things attacking you. Oh, uh, at, at least as far as the stationary things go. I guess I think there might That's be cool. there might be shit flying around that spawns maybe still. I can't recall offhand. But you can definitely make an effort towards creating a safe space with which to operate as just a tow vehicle. And that's important because, you know, some of the gravitational effects, because, you know, each each object has its own weight. So in turn, how much it affects your spaceship flight pattern or controls is influenced by the weight multiplied by the gra- gravity, gravitational effects. Some have higher, some have lower. So like a really heavy thing in a really heavy gravity planet, like... You can be, I mean, you can be stuck moving so fucking slow because it's so heavy. You know what I mean? So if you don't, if you, ha- yeah, if you haven't cleared out the area, you're fucked. You know, and and you know, and so you even have like a, 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 a you have this shield thing you can get. You get at the very first stage, I think you get it. You just like you hit whatever button turns it on down or something, and it turns on your shield, but you it's a force field, so you can't tow something with that on. So like, I don't know. It's just, gotcha. it, it, it just it just adds a level of, of strategy to the 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 action component of the game that is really interesting and not something I feel like you I, I've seen at all otherwise maybe ever but particularly on the NES. So yeah, it, it's really interesting, really well done, and really fun. I think like they they also on top of just good gameplay, you get a really fun, I think, and creative vibe to the writing and the tone of the game. And like there's, you know, they just it's, it's like, it doesn't, you're kind of like this, I don't know, like your character's a little bumbly in nature, you know? Mm-hmm. So like the fact that he's like this space junk salvager it just it's it's all it all weaves together in a pretty good story world that i really like it right. and appreciate and there's a a slew there's a whole bunch of there's a there's a whole economy to the game you're salvaging so you're earning money from a lot of these things and like your ability to buy upgrades and 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 and, and progress in the game is gate kept by your ability to salvage items and you can make choices about whether or not you want to deal with this particularly difficult to salvage item based on how much value it adds to your life monetarily so there's like decision making to be had as far as your business you know, making business decisions <laughs> you know it's, it's actually fucking it's, it's pretty cool a nice economic simulator in that regard that i really like and yeah just a, a million different upgrades and shit that that add to the customization of just the gameplay you know so it's yeah i mean it's i mean so much more than just a flying space map that it might look like on the surface to someone. So, a lot of really positive things to say. Like I said, I am going to have a real hard time not pushing us into playing this, if not here, somewhere very soon. So, be fair warned on that. How did you, did you dabble with it at all? So, yes. I, I appreciate what they're doing here. But I'll pass. So, it, it it's, to me, it's asteroids made into a platformer. That's what it feels like. Okay. So, like, at this time in the timeline, if you give me a Nintendo 
1990 and gave me this game as well, I'd be like, sure. Like, I'm into it. This reminds me of Asteroids, and you're making it more platformery and adding more to it. I'll take that. But, like, otherwise, I, I don't know. That's, that's hard. I mean, that, that's a hard sell. You're telling me there's a lot more stuff going on in there. Yeah, cool. I'm gonna, I was going to ask, did you, even, but, did you even get, did you even tow anything back? Did you even try to tow anything back? I don't think I towed anything. Okay, so yeah. I, I did not so tow you, anything so, so to a even, specific place, no. So, okay, so you didn't even play the game. You just shot, you just flew around and shot shit. <laughs> I flew around and shot shit trying to figure it out. And I was yeah. just like, man. Yeah, no, yeah, there's, yeah, that's not even, that's, like I said, that's not even. <laughs> I, 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 it's a struggle to even call that. Like that—that that is such an ancillary part of the actual gameplay loop. You it know it looks mean? so low budget. I was just like, dude, this is like early, the earliest gen kind of NES. I was just like, there's no way. Like, I don't know what that. I think I think especially like some of those cutscenes and stuff. Maybe of, I didn't get to any cutscenes. So okay. I, I could well, even the first one, even the first <laughs> one where you're just landing on the planet looks pretty good, you know. But yeah, when you would yeah you 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 fly back out every time and it, yeah, it shows the planet. Each planet has its own different artwork and stuff, and like all the. The items and shit have their own artwork when you get them, and you, like you once you drop them into the ship and you obtain them, there's like unique artwork for a lot of them and stuff. So there's a lot of good looking components too. I mean, you know, the, yeah, the, the the base gameplay screen is, I suppose, a little rudimentary. I'll I'll, I'll agree with that, but um, you know, it's rare. I mean, you know, rare. They're rare's gonna spend some time on the visual of it always. You know, um, I think it's tough to to ridicule their work on there in that. Even Captain Skyhawk, probably one of the the lesser rare games we played. Even that had some cool visuals to it. The main, again, the main gameplay, not so much so. But um. <laughs> <laughs> not a game I expected to spend a lot of time talking about. But okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. I'll tell you, the fucking gameplay is good. Once you get into it, yeah, it's. I mean, it's 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 really challenging, man. Like and and like a and a, a really because again, it's not. It's challenging, Batman challenging, in that, like, because you you know your gravity, you understand how much this thing weighs and how it either is less or more so than other things you have tried to tow back. And, like, you're trying to go, you know, you're trying to drag it through sometimes these really constricted passageways below the below ground. And so it's just, like, there's so many, there's so much yeah. variance to... Game objectives, you know, I and mean, there's so Does it much. Get hurt if you hit, like, if you're dragging it through like, t- a tunnel and you hit the top. Oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you don't have your shield on, that's the thing. So like, that's really a lot of the gameplay mechanic. I'd say the real challenge is yes, like you're moving. So so like so so like you have this. You, you you thrust yourself. You need to get up to this certain part. But like you know, if it's this craggy fucking pathway you got to get through, you're gonna hit something because you're in space. You have you know, it's fucking. There's nothing. Right. You know, I mean, you can yes, you can turn your you can. Go 180 degrees, thrust, and maybe stop yourself and go back the other way in time, but you're you might not. So really, what the smart thing to do is turn your shield on, uh, and then do that. So you like that absorbs some, if not all, of the damage you take. But when you do that, you're gonna lose the toe. So you're gonna have to now. So you you, you want you want to wait to do that at the last possible second, so you tow the item as far as possible with that inertia that you picked up. Mm. You know, turn the shield on. Now, okay, got to reposition myself and like kind of you know, like a lot of times you'll like like you know put yourself on the other side of the the, the object from where you want to take it and like get some inertia going 
before you turn your shield off and start the toe again so you already have that inertia picked up and can tow it with the, the best efficiency, you know. Uh, so, yeah, there's just a lot of, like, second-to-second, moment-to-moment strategy that is really, I think, intellectually stimulating once you get a grasp for it. And, and yeah, there's, there's like I said, so much more going on than just shooting those fucking guns on the walls and shit, which is, <laughs> you know. Fair uh, enough. Fair yeah. A lot going on. The last preview is a three-banger on TMNT, the arcade game from Ultra, and this is thankfully not out until Christmas, or I don't know how we deal with all the fire in this issue. <laughs> so much. Yes, so there much. there is, of course, the home port of the quarter-munching arcade, or rather, this is the home port of the quarter-munching arcade beat-em-up, and it's great. They're withholding the power meter verdict for the moment as well, just like um, NES Play Action, though. And I believe this is the only thing so far in this mag that's not released yet. And I took note of that here, which yeah. suggests to me the magazine is getting better at keeping up with and covering in a timely manner the release <laughs> the release schedule of games, which is good. One, it's less work for me as the person administrating this podcast, and I like that. But also, too, just it, it, it just puts us better in line. We're always like, you know, it, it, it takes less of the... Sometimes we talk about like, okay, we're not, you know, we get this game. We get a, we get a taste of it here. It is out technically but we don't have the real coverage in the mag yet to work with as part of our yeah. gameplay episode you know i mean it's, it's, there's a little bit more it's, it's historically been a little bit more of a division of that stuff and it's nice for that to all kind of start to mesh together a little better and i think it makes for a better experience for us and for the podcast and the listeners after these messages we'll be right back so i'm flying around the planet mexamorph minding my own business when this flexi snake gets on my tail i say hey buddy i'm just trying to do a job here next thing i know he slams my pot into a piston bumper and i'm toast now i gotta fly this jetpack to the mothership and get a new pod then i gotta keep searching for this golden warp ship thing scattered over like 12 planets give me a break what kind of sicko thought this game up i gotta go solar jetman new from trade west no one said it was going to be easy that is a 1990 U.S. market commercial for Solar Jetman. Is the quintessential non-union commercial actor being eccentric, direct to camera, in a spacesuit in front of a static space backdrop. It's the, abs- <laughs> it's the absolute least expensive way to make a commercial for this video game, and I love it. <laughs> right. a one shot, direct yep. to camera. This is what we got. We're yep. good. 30 seconds, go. A half dozen fall favorite titles coming at us in the new games now available here. We start with Tengen's Gauntlet 2. It's a four-player enabled uh, joint, and that is really fucking cool. Dungeon crawling real time with three buddies in 1990. That would have been living in the fucking future. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, should we start living in the past and try to organize four-player NES sessions with other Lord <laughs> Disciples, Jay? Should we do that? Can you imagine? That would actually be cool. I, yeah. I, I've, I've done this two-player, and it's fun. But obviously, like, that's different. I'm sitting next to my little brother in the bedroom. So, this, right. But it could be fun. I mean, yeah. this was definitely a jam back in the day. Yeah. the uh, Not easy, but fun. No, no definitely not easy. <laughs> yeah, definitely not easy. Yeah, that'll be, we should try to, that's an interesting parsec idea. But I got to be the wizard, though. I'm calling the wizard. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I have an affinity. I, and I could probably, the Valkyrie, maybe. Probably the Valkyrie is my value. I want, I want a little magic aptitude. I, I, I don't want to be a tank. I never want yeah. to be a tank. I've actually started playing. So I'm so tapped out on Assassin play in Demio that I've started using the Magician 
It's oh, like really? Just to, just to mix it up, yeah. You got to switch it up, man. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I do miss it. And actually, dude, I was so I played the other night, just a couple nights ago, as the assassin for the first time in a while, and they fucking rebalanced it, man. They changed it so you can't. And this is, dude, this is like my, this is why part of playing the assassin, because I could play the assassin alone the way it used to be, yeah. because you could, like, so, yes, you have that cooldown turn for your stealth, and that hasn't changed in theory. Like, if you, once your stealth runs out, you have, you have to spend a turn before you can stealth again. Right. But the way it used to be, if you initiated the, the, coming out of stealth by attacking, that counted as your cooldown turn. So the next turn you could stealth again. So you could just stay in stealth, basically. Well, you come out and you spend a turn with the monsters being able to attack you. But yeah, now if you come out on your own, you spend essentially two turns before you can stealth again. And the first time that happened to me, well, I was like, what the... F-? And, like, you know, I'm playing with people who have probably been playing constantly. They have, like, yeah, what do you mean, of course. That could have happened a month ago. I barely played, you know. So, <laughs> so like, I was like, I just, like, I, I caught myself. I was like, I gotta just shut up. I'm being a whiny bitch right now. Like, you know, <laughs> like yeah, but, like... Because, yeah, the first time it happened, I'm like, did I forget? Like, no, that, that's not... Like, oh, that's fucked up. Like, that, that doesn't seem right, you know. And it happened a couple of times. Like, no, that's different, man. That's fucking changed, you know. I was like, fuck! That's a, yeah, that's a big difference in the effect effectiveness of that character or just the way you play use them period not even effectiveness just like sustainability with that character is all because you're always off doing your own thing so like if you get in a room with a bunch of shit and you're not stealth you're fucked buddy <laughs> you know so yeah. less cowboy shit Josh. yeah it does Stay it, with the group yeah it does and that's exactly it 100 uh, i immediately started staying with the group a little bit more Dude, so I, it, I appreciate that i yeah. didn't like when like the assassin always just dip out and go do your thing. Like, <laughs> i'm a magician i have no armor whatsoever whatsoever like help me out here stay, sure, let's sure, stay yeah. together yeah and that that is some people's bitch about about that character for sure so yeah it, yeah i mean it probably overall makes for a better experience but it was definitely like a, a very jarring, <laughs> very jarring change for an assassin-minded player for sure anyhow this dropped in september so it is two live so go forth courageous warriors as they instruct in the bottom <laughs> corner here and they give it a 72.5 percent on the power meter i can get on board with that assessment i agree with that greater Next, we have the previously, the aforementioned Bandai's Dick Tracy. Yeah, they do have the power meter now at 60%, and I bet Disney is still litigating against them about that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And all kind of, all kind of like shake hands and backhanded agreements, like, yo, this is just now we talked about Jim. <laughs> yeah, 60, 60%. Come on, we're Disney. Uh, we'll bury you in the backyard. <laughs> Don't make me take your lunch money. Do better than that. So <laughs> next we have after that, Taxan's Low G-Man. It's now live with a September release, and that's up next. They give this a 67.5% of the power meter, which is a bit disparaging, but we press on with hope and optimism. And I fired it up. Did you fuck with it? Yeah. I mean, it's lots of high jumping, early gen, generic platformer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I got a lot of Strider vibes from the copy. Though no mention of diskettes or mainframes, so that bummed me out. Yeah. But it's set in 2284, and I'm thinking that uh, they certainly were possible, so I, I, I can't imagine that they, <laughs> they, they weren't. They've evolved past that. They have much better uh, uh, storage mechanisms. <laughs> yeah, storage, yeah. 
Uh, well, fuck, Strider was in the future too, and you, you know, that that's your logic. If you don't think you don't need diskettes just because it's the future, not in 1990. The future in 1990, no, there's diskettes, bro. <laughs> there's no way for there's no way for there not to be diskettes. <laughs> that's true. That's yeah. true. No matter what is happening, you got to put diskette in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no matter yeah, what yeah. Yeah. And it's gonna look like that too. It's gonna look like that. Yeah. Diskette, yeah. There's no. It's not change. Uh, oh, that's great. So yeah. So there's some cool looking cinematics. That are visible in the screenshots. I'm like, okay, I'm optimistic there. They highlight weapon equipment upgrades and a handful of actual vehicles that you can assume control over after you frag the operators. I dig that. That's borderline Nemo vibes that we just talked about. And there is clearly a gravitational manipulation capability. Your character has to mix up what otherwise appears to be, yes, a side-scrolling action platformer like many others. So, you know, there were some things there. I was like, okay, there could be a game here. And I fired it up, and the open cinematic is reasonably good pixel art, but it's such a disjointed series of images that and text that I was almost laughing at it. Like, I couldn't, you know. Yeah, I was like, come on, man. It's <laughs> like, like, like nothing to do with each other. And immediate so, bad first impression. Yeah. Immediate. <laughs> the, so the game is, I mean, I think it, it's kind of cool, I think. Like, the controls are a little wonky and not perfectly intuitive, but even, like, the starting attack capabilities were interesting and different. Like, your ranged attack is an electromagnetic magnetic gun that freezes enemies that are most, if not all, robotic in nature. So, you know, you have, like, this control over the environment that's, like, a non-lethal manipulation tactic, and it doesn't, you know, doesn't kill them. So you have an up-and-down thrust lance attack that is best deployed after you freeze the enemy so you know you freeze them and then you can do it, it reminded me a lot of the uh adventure to link up thrust mm, and down okay. thrust same kind of vibe and yeah i mean like it i don't know it like it i don't know it's there's a control thing going on that kind of like strider actually funny enough where you just like i think you gotta like spend some time with it to get comfortable with it because I was not able to deploy that down thrust as a means by which to kill. Like the amount of time not I, I was I was unable to reliably deploy it in the amount of time that the freeze attack gave me, you know. So there's yeah. something going on there that I need to learn either that or it's just a bad game, one or the other. <laughs> that's <laughs> what know? that's part of why I, I deemed it an early gen generic platformer. I was yeah. like, eh, it's got some kinks to work out." <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I feel that. <laughs> Yeah, I copped a, you cop a vehicle pretty early, so you get a taste of that, and it changed my jump capability and weapon set. So that was cool. Like I thought that implemented well for a very brief play that I gave it. So I don't know. My, I, got, I guess I could probably be talked into playing this game if it were one that you were uh, felt a little stronger about. But it interesting does, does not sound like you. Does not sound like you are. <laughs> Yeah, I was not going to go to bat for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From there, we move to Acclaim's valiant attempt at a first-person RPG, Swords and Serpents, and they give it a 72.5 on the power meter, and that is not fucking true. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, dude. Yeah, that whoa. is just not fucking true. It's a great idea, but uh, in, in, in implementation uh, application, not great game. And from there, we get a new Light Zapper game out from Nintendo of America. It's called Barker Bill's Trick Shooting. And they give it a 72.5% on the power meter also, which seems crazy, but I've never fucked with it, so what do I know? If you're a Barker Bill stan, please do write in and sell us on what we're missing out on, because we can't play light games, light gun games with the, the setup we have here. And yeah. even if I were to order the cart, I don't have the CRT necessary to embrace it, so I just got to let that one go, and it... Uh, 
self-disqualifies it from our exploration of, of history here, unfortunately. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> the last one is Bandai's Frankenstein, which was actually released with the title tack-on of The Monster Returns. And this is a side-scrolling action game where you sadly are not controlling Frankenstein, but rather some schmuck that's, you guessed it, Trying to get his objectified female back from the monster, <laughs> and Surprise. they give it a yeah, they give it a 70%. So it's by no means a pass, Reco by Nintendo, and I'd never even heard of it. So away we go. The t- <laughs> the title screen and epilogue cinematics have amazing pixel art, and they though they do errantly suggest Frankenstein is capable of affluent speech. He is not in this world of lore, and. Um, that's a little weird <laughs> that, that he talks, you know. Um, but I do like the music and um, tried it with some optimism, but the game absolutely fucking sucks. It's yeah, it's yeah. Like really stiff, bad jumping and attack controls, and the enemies just kind of look like a random assortment of pixels. They're not really identifiable as things that would be in the story world. <laughs> you know uh, on mean? this game, I just want to lean into the microphone very slowly and dramatically and look around the room. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, which is why it's at the very back end of this section, probably. I guess. Yeah. I guess if they put it at the back end of, of the next section, video shorts, that would be a real, you know, don't bother with this. Which they yeah. <laughs> basically tell you what some of these games we're about to get to. But yes, we move into video shorts now, and there's a whole lot of new release jams in here. We start with Kimco Seika, and they have a Bug Bunny licensing. <laughs> fucking jamboree first and it hit in september it's a celebration of bugs's 50th birthday so happy happy bugs bunny this is an action platformer with some mini games it looks to be and they tag it with a 67.5 percent of the power meter i tried it i suppose it's not the biggest piece of shit on the nes in this genre but yeah. i sure as hell don't need to play it now or in 1990 yeah uh, there's not enough going on there Agreed. <laughs> Very stock oh, action platformer shit. Yeah, not terrible though. I was like, if you forced me to play this back, then I'd be like, all right, you know, I'm playing. Yeah, if you if you if you brought it home and I wasn't in the middle of some shit on with my, my own carts, like, mm, yeah, maybe I'll fuck with it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but not going back to it. No, yeah, no thanks. After that is Mindscape's Mad Max. It's another September release, and this is based on the OG Mel Gibson movie star Launchpad film. And I've tried to watch this movie. It's fucking really weird, and I couldn't stick with it. Do you have any love for the film no, at all? No, not at all. Yeah. I've fallen yeah. asleep when I was on the old one, on the new. Like it just. I oh, yeah, I don't like the new one either. Yeah, I don't like the new one either. Yep. And that was like a, yeah. That one, like, yeah, I mean, it, that one got, I, I thought it was weird how that one got, like, revered. I don't know. It was fucking weird to me how much love understand. it got. Even this game, like, I'm, like, driving, like, it just seems like a terrible driving game. Like, a game. Like, <laughs> shit, oh, yeah, the like, game, yeah. Just like, yeah. come on. I mean, they I give it a 55%. Like, that's. Horrific for yeah. yeah. I mean, there they do go a little lower. There's a title we're gonna get to that's a little lower than that, but it's pretty bottom of the barrel as far as Nintendo judgment goes. So you know, even they tell you it's yeah, you know, it's not <laughs> not very good. They even like I, they even have some copying here that I thought was very apropos. It is not as much an adventure through the devastated world as it is a test of driving combat skills in a closed area. So it's just a combat racer, and it's you know it's in a story world that should be cool to explore. That's what they're saying there. Like you see this game, this story IP and you're like okay I'm going to have a narrative where I'm having to deal with this really interesting post-apocalyptic world where gas is at such a premium that or or, or crude oil is at such a premium that Mm -hmm. like people are killing themselves killing each other over it and you know there's a lot of shit 
to go with that. But this doesn't explore really this any of that. that. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. that at all. I did play like a good little podcaster though, and yeah, it's it's there is a like that opening credit shit slideshow. It's not really a cinematic, but it's a slideshow. Paints the bummer of a story world pretty admirably. Like I like I said, I I tried to watch the movie and like I couldn't get into it enough to really put me emotionally yeah. in the world. And I I thought the slideshow did a better job than the movie did of like <laughs> you know how much how fucking depressing of a place it right. would be. To this exist. is where we're yeah. at. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it was, probably, it was better looking than I expected. But yeah, the gameplay is very meh. You know, just fucking. I wanted I wanted to like it. Like I've tried. Like even with the movies, like I've tried to come back and be like, all right, it's popular. Like, am I just missing something? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. I concur. LJ fucking in drops some more licensed schlock on us in September with Back to the Future Part Two and Three. And I think we first have to address the title of this game. And I'm wondering, are they trolling us with a self awareness of the shittiness of bad Hollywood sequels with that Part Two and Three thing at the end, or? Are they Russell Wilson enough to make that choice in earnest? I think they made that <laughs> choice. Like I don't, but it's weird. Like it's it's like it's like they were just trying to take it. Like they knew they couldn't just make a game based off of one of them. I I don't know. I it's just I, an odd. It's just an odd thing. Well, they did that with the an first odd one. Choice. I mean, why couldn't they make a first one? I mean, yeah. I mean, even if you want to combine the stories. I guess I mean yeah they are they the only I think possible answer is that they are just trying to exploit that IP for all they can by saying it's both movies. If you like either movie, right. you'll like this game. You know, because the third uh, one kind of sucked. Like I'm I was glad they made a third one, but like compared to the other two, I was like meh. But like if you add this in a game, it's like oh, do I get to play both movies? I guess that's more attractive. You know, I don't think it's funny you say that. I was going to ask you like I. I can't say I've ever even for sure seen more than a couple minutes of either of those sequels. What? I, Back I to know. Future... What? Wait a minute. You didn't. You have not. You're... Wait. Hold on. I think I misunderstood what you're saying. <laughs> you're. You have seen Back to the Future two several times. I assume. I don't yes. think I've ever watched more than a couple minutes of either one of them. I know the third one happens with that cowboy train shit. I remember that one was on. Yeah. I I know I tried to watch that one more because that was that movie came out and was on HBO in that window in high school I've talked about before where I oh, I first, I first yeah. got the satellite dish and I had like you know those movie, oh. it play, those movies played in a loop on HBO so it was on constantly so I tried to watch Dude. it but I fucking hated it I recall I did not like it and the second one yeah I don't think I just don't think no oh. I, I've I, this is like the wizard for me like I'm just like we're like next time you come to Seattle we're just gonna. Get movies. And and watch you know, get, like the future too. I, I feel like this is one of those movies that I have strong nostalgia feelings for. Like it was, it was futuristic. It was, so it was really interesting. Well, this, you know, this is the, the future. This, this is the one with the yeah. It's it's the almanac. It's the almanac deal, right? Yeah, yeah. Where they yeah. actually go to the future. Yeah. Whereas the first one they went back, right. and this one they went to the future, and and so it was really cool. And obviously, I probably I probably now that they said I I can like I can I can hoverboard. I could yeah. I remember the hoverboard shit. I remember the I have seen it yeah. Because I I can remember the, the 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 scene where he finds the almanac in the trash can or puts it in the trash can or yeah. something like that. I can remember that scene. I remember the hoverboard shit out in like the mall or courtyard or whatever that was. Yeah, yeah. I remember all that shit. Like, do you remember the well. do you remember the Pizza Hut scene? Like no. a pizza base, the futuristic pizza, like expanding. No, I don't remember that. Oh no. man, oh. I. 
it's funny too. I think about this because like my dad worked at Pizza Hut at the time, and there was like promotional stuff. There was like some. I think the marketing I still remember to say was like radical Back to the Future 2 neon like sunglasses. Oh, I kind of remember those, yeah. I like, kind of remember yeah. those, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But no, I loved the second movie. The second movie was freaking great to me. It was it see it was also one of those things where it was like, wow, could the future really be like that type of sure, moment? Sure, you know sure. what I mean? With a movie that I loved anyway, so yeah. I I would have been more much more interested in this game itself. But like well, they talk about that is kind of the narrative. I mean, you know, again, I didn't play enough to see where it goes as far as the third movie goes. But like the whole setup, I and mean, that's you know the artwork behind me. It the whole setup is the shit about Biff and the Almanac for sure. You know, I'm surprised that didn't jar the memory of the, that memory of the movie. But yeah, the the whole setup at the beginning of the game is that like you know the well actually yeah they, they the the copy they put in here sounds tedious and laborious too. Even they like they say he'll enter the second part of the game which takes place in 1885. There he will find more items to pick up and more enemies to beat. Ho hum, you know, it's just like, like that's the whole game is like you just like you're, it's a collectathon and some enemies to kill and like there's but there's just no energy to it. There's no, I don't know. There's no well, yeah. even in, even the beginning of the copy it says LJN is hoping that if you enjoyed the Hot Back to the Future movie series that you'll find this movie a winner. Like, right. did you did you play this? Like, I I just have to say I played that I mean, the very beginning of the, yeah it was terrible. It, it was is terrible. This game is so bad. <laughs> it it made me turn it off and look it up to see if it was real or if this was some like kind of fan made weird bullshit. Like, yeah. why were there spiky turtles in it, a la Mario Brothers? Like, what right. are we talking about? There was no spiky turtles in Back to the Future. Well, this is in I, any movie. This is exactly. I told you. I mean, I I, I have w- w- the the first one, the first LJN Back to the Future game. Like, I've talked about how like you know it's like almost to X Men level like betrayal you know and like uh the i don't know the trauma the trauma of playing it as a child is like deeply rooted and strong even to this day like the emotional reaction i get thinking about it is very upsetting uh so yeah like the the first one also terribly yeah like i said it was it had nothing to do other than that picture being your timer which was cool but like the actual gameplay and like the map like yes you did kind of go around Hills, whatever the name of that town is, Hillville or whatever the fuck it is, uh, and like the end has the DeLorean thing. I never got there because the game's fucking impossible. But like, you know, there is, I guess, there is stuff in there that is rooted in the IP. But like the early game in stage gameplay has nothing to do with Back to the Future. You're just like running around the streets and you're dealing with like bees and like movers carrying a piece of glass that you can't run into the middle of because it's glass and like it's just like yeah be- I was bees I remember so many fucking bees <laughs> like what the fuck is with the bees man like fuck off with the bees <laughs> like yeah just yeah nothing to do with the movie in the game so it's not even I mean I, I guess my expect my point being my expectation of this sequel would be exactly that that would just be more of that shit you know dude so, spiky turtles yeah I mean, <laughs> so just wrong. no thought at all they're just like what's what works just put it in there like yeah but sir, like this is a staple of my. Just put it in there. Just put it in there. It's fine. They'll love it. They'll yeah. love the spiky turtle shells. Like uh, no, I wrote down. So yeah, they give it a sixty-five percent on the power meter, which I was ready to call bullshit immediately when I saw Absolute that. Absolute right. Yeah. So I, I, I fired up and like my first thought, like, holy shit! I hate the jump and movement physics in this video game. They're so bad, man. The fucking jumping is so bad and so slippery and ah, uh, so bad, oh. so bad. 
And yeah, the, the there was some cool the, the pixel art, like I said, behind me, the DeLorean pixel art in the opening sequence. That was all kind of fun, and I enjoyed it. Cool. But uh, the actual gameplay. Playing it? No. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Hudson Soft chucks some flying shmup shit at us after that with Starship, Starship Hector. And listen to this copy. <laughs> Basic flying and firing skills will make you master a master of this shoot-and-steer action game from Hudson. Command your starship through a series of enemy-packed areas and take on the dangers of a strange land. On the way, you'll pick up special life-replenishing items if you fire at the right targets. And that could describe any game... Any flying space shmup video game in history. It's just like so lazy on both the game design, the marketing, and the review front across the board. Fire at the right target. Yeah. Yeah. It's like any that could apply to any shooter ever. Yeah. It's just so fucking bad. And they give it a 67.5 on the power meter. Like, that's way too high. Counterpoint, although the copy is very basic, I will say playing this, it is a really fun. As somebody who enjoys flying shooters, Zevious style fly like vertical flying shooter of that time. Very yeah, no, exactly. That's what I mean. It's like it's very. I, I didn't look it up beforehand, but like the second I turned it on, and I saw the eighty-seven copyright and the abysmal graphics, like it's clear. It's one of those games that's clearly a port of an arcade game from yesteryear, like fucking nineteen eighty-four or something. And they did very little to nothing to bring it to the NES. Almost a decade later, you know, it's just so glaringly apparent that I, I don't even know how you could possibly, in the sea of games available of this ilk on the system, how you could even begin to want to play this one is beyond me. Well, they know? had a, well, I was playing still, obviously, the Atari 7800 at this time. And like I said, Xevious was a game that was really fun, but it was like, it looked like this, like it looked just like this. Except I don't think I had to guess which targets to hit, so that's the only <laughs> the only big change. But otherwise, like very similar graphics of that time, so I could see again. I mean, 1987 is a little earlier, though. You know what I mean? Like that. That's definitely even earlier, perhaps. But otherwise, three, like three I, I, I years feel like earlier. This, yeah. Although I could feel like you, I could see how you get stuck playing this game because you have it and make fun out of it. Then, not not even in 1990, probably though. You're probably like. Mom, uh, okay, you know. On the NES, man, I just don't see it. It's a new game yeah. coming out. I just don't see how. Like, I mean, like. I don't know. I, because I, don't, I, I have such strong affinity for Xevious, I still had fun. But I could see how anybody else still like, yeah, I don't want to touch it. I feel like it's like, like I, there's no way to find this out. But I mean, like, what, they sell like 17 of those? Like, I mean, how how did anyone 17. buy buy those? Like 17 <laughs> Errant purchases that were probably returned. Heavy chargebacks. Heavy chargebacks. Oh, sure. If, if if the average NES title was like forty bucks, and this one was coming in at like nineteen ninety nine, and then it probably at, at was Christmas though. Time, they, there were no NES games selling for that low. The lowest it could have been was in the mid thirties, man. And like that is just, I don't know, uh, man. A three year old one, if especially if it, I don't know. Maybe but, you're right. but but they get that that's the thing though it's not three years old on the NES front it's three years the, the 1987 copyright is the copyright of the arcade game this game just came out in fucking September uh, yeah it's I'm not Jack Prever statement <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not it's not new to the system uh, or sorry it's it's new to the system it's not new uh, as an arcade game at all yeah I, 
not good. The last conversation-worthy one here is LJN's appropriately October drop of Nightmare on Elm Street. We've talked about it in the IP already, so moving on. Not a good game. Cool IP, though. NES Journal comes at us next, and holy fucking Moses, is this a bomb drop? Super Famicom announced it's Japan, or announced in Japan, is the headline, and let the 16-bit wars begin. It's they, official. Yeah, yeah. They talk a bunch of the specs. Love the screen res of five twelve by four forty eight being mind blowing for them. That's incredible. And a whopping sixty four by sixty four sprite six uh, sprite size max. And they also tease the announced games, Super Mario World. They uh, they summate each one of these with a little tiny parenthetical. Mario rides a dinosaur and gains even more power ups, which kind of sounds like that description of that fucking uh, <laughs> space <laughs> right. game a moment ago. But you know, it's Nintendo. We'll give them a pass. Flight Club. This is a super flight sim, and then F Zero, a hot racing game. And they also tease a new Legend of Zelda title coming down the pipe the following year. The one with Chris Harrison or whatever his name is, Secret Room, <laughs> in it. And it is releasing wide in Japan for Christmas. They don't have any dates for the U.S. yet. Spoiler alert, it is August 23rd of 91, so it's a little less than a year away. So close, but yet so far. AJ? <laughs> Dude, I'd be looking at these screenshots like mouth water and over Super Mario World. Like, oh, look at it. It'll be interesting. It'll make this podcast very interesting once we get there for sure. We'll change the spectrum of what we're doing completely. The celebrity profile is on a 17-year-old Will Wheaton of Stand By Me in Star Trek, The Next Generation fame. I asked Jab for his commentary on his role in Star Trek, seeing as Jab currently, or rather Jab errantly, believes it is the greatest TV show ever. And he reports that much of the community hates this character, but Jab doesn't find him that awful. And that's the brass, uh. that's the brass tacks from Jab uh, on, on this particular individual and his character on the show. So he's a big hockey kid, an L.A. Kings fan, and Blades of Steel is a cited go-to game here. Easily one of the more organic NES game tie-ins for this feature to date. We've talked before how it feels very forced. Sarah Gilbert's, I forget what it was, but I remember Sarah Gilbert's being very forced. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so he talks a lot about radio and doing guest DJ spots at stations in L.A. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, so I said he's 17 already, so he's a kid very early, relatively early in his career. And he talks a lot about doing radio and, and guest DJ spots at stations in L.A., as well as polishing his skill set at UCLA when he starts there later in the year. And that's really interesting if you look at his career arc because he mostly does voice work these days, and he's absolutely fucking killing it on that front. So uh, while you, you don't see his face very often anymore, I'm sure he's doing just fine on the financial front. Um, but it's cool to see. And it's just, it was cool to me to see that, like, he had that interest that he could express at 17, and it has absolutely steered his career and, and where he's went from there, you know, so many years down the line. So that's really cool. Stand By Me, yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic film. Do you have any anything? Oh, does yeah. That, Great does that movie. Mean, I mean, yeah. I, who doesn't like that movie? Right, you know? yeah. Very good. Like, if you were alive at the time, yeah. Like, yeah. of course. Very good. Very, very good. A page of merch being pitched at us after that some dumb mario branded shit a toothbrush a phone a musical book like it's like it's, it's a book but it's has a built-in xylophone so i mean that's out of the three <laughs> out, of, out of them that's probably the most interesting one i suppose but they also have game boy carrying case offerings here that jumped out to me a bit they had that soft shell dinosaur one or rather i had that soft shell dinosaur one and jab had the small hard shell newbie one so those were the cases we had did, did you have any of these or no I feel like I had 
like the the Dynasound organizer or something similar to that, like the that, bigger one, the the soft shell one or the uh, the soft sided bag, the first one. Yeah, that's the yeah. one I had. That's the one I had. Yeah, that's that's the one. When I talk about picturing the games being stored in the order I got them, that's like yeah. Tetris is on top in the bot top left corner. Super Mario went beneath it because they held two games each on on those in the case, anyways. And yeah, that's absolutely the one I had for sure. It was it was fantastic because I had the battery pack, and that was clutch being able to oh, carry nice. being able to carry that nice. in that bag, you know, or AC adapter, I guess, not the battery pack. Some BS about the Super Mario Brothers three cartoon and Maniac Mansion TV shows gets us to Pack Watch, and first up here is a software hardware bundle called the Miracle Piano Teaching System that was shown at the Summer CES from Mindscape and the Software Toolworks. And the Mid-Eye Keyboard hardware has built-in stereo speakers, so all piano audio is played through those, not the game system, not so not through the TV. And the keyboard can operate on its own. So the software is just for instructional purposes and also offers a metronome, like on the TV while you're playing. So, you know, I didn't even know this existed, but the, the MSRP is 300 bucks, they say, but the wiki says 500 Either way, like, Ooh. yeah, very few. Maybe they people. wanted it to be 300 and it right. was like, Nah, nah, we yeah. gotta, gotta yeah. raise that up. I suppose, but yeah, either way, uh, I did not even know that existed. So, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just that's not, it's just not. I don't know. It's not the. You, it's. I think it's an out of touch understanding of of your target market as far or, or your, the your user base. I guess maybe better better put. You know, like I just don't think there were enough people looking to refine their piano playing skills via their nes you know what i mean and they did this had like also a pc release that i think did a little better but yeah the nes version is fucking absolutely nothing fci's next ultimate installment quest of the avatar is in here and get jazz jay they say it's an improvement on exodus so i'm assuming you (laughs) 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 i'm assuming you've marked this in your calendar as far as side quest uh interest goes it, they the, are, the amount of time that I that I spent thinking about like what type of witty comeback I could have to any discussion of Ultima, I just it was too much. So I just ended on the ha. That's all. Yeah, that's what I figured. Also talking about a game from Arcadia Systems called The Adventures of Robin Hood, and it appears to be an RPG in nature that really perked my ears up. So I started digging around for this, and I couldn't find anything about it for the NES, so I think this was never made for the console. It did have a PC release, looked kind of interesting, but that's not what we're talking about for this podcast. Notable, <laughs> notable IP adaptions also mentioned here. We have Bill and Ted, uh, we have Indiana Jones, and then Dragon's Lair. So those are all IPs coming to the NES in the near future. The next issue teases the Final Fantasy Strategy Guide coming in October and then features on Dr. Mario, Solar Jetman, and Little Nemo in issue 18. Uh, so maybe that's an argument for me backing off Solar Jetman a little this issue. It's foreshadowing. <laughs> Howie's letter deals in how much fun he had at the PowerFest tour and how excited he is for the televised finals in December at Universal Studios in Orlando. And there's also some hype for the Final Fantasy Treasure Quest. And he reveals he's just finished his master's degree. And I for- it made me like kind of just think about for a second. I forgot how young this dude was when he was living this Nintendo power stardom. You know, like he must it must have just been such a wild, surreal experience for a guy 
that more than likely would have just had the nerdiest, most normal life ever if he had gotten that warehouse, if he hadn't gotten that warehouse job at 22, you know, like the masters ended up being uh, an MBA from the university of Washington. So a little fucking footnote, I guess, but yeah, very wild life for a early twenties dude to be right, to be living, you know, sign me up. Yeah, for sure. Couldn't find any video of that actual PowerFest broadcast, but I was able to find the promo VHS video they sent out to contestants. That will be in the show notes. It is absolutely worth a fucking watch, for sure. It's like such bad industrial production value kind of deal, you know, for the, for the early 90s. It's exactly what you would expect it to be. Fun little watch, like a five-minute deal, I think. And Player's Poll is the final thing in here, and it's an Ultima Quest of the Avatar Bonanza. Jay. The grand prize is a Halloween trip through the most elaborate haunted house in the U.S. of A, Britannia Mansion. And, you know, I'm looking at this, knowing what I know about fucking uh, Richie here, and it sent me down a serious history rabbit hole. The the, Britain, uh, yeah, the Britannia Manor is old Richie Garriott's former private residence, i.e. actual fucking castle in West Austin, Texas. Some notable features of it and the nearby adjacent ranch. It has a 360-degree observatory, like, you know, the place like that... Like, look at stars and right, stuff. Right, yes, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> like, like an astronomer's laboratory, basically. A, a professional astronomer's laboratory. He has one of these on his property. It has a 300-seat outdoor replica of the Shakespeare Globe Theater in London as well as a patronage of the accompanying renowned Elizabethan performance troupe, the Baron's Men. So he not only had the facility on his property, but he funded the, you know, the the, the ongoing year-round production of Shakespearean performances at said venue. And That's crazy. Yes. There is a haunted forest that is probably where this trip you took uh, took you through, and there's a lighthouse on like the, you know, it's like on a fucking. I mean, Austin is kind of landlocked, but it, I, there's like a lake there. There's some water and rivers going through Austin, so it's on one of the that area, I guess. And he has a fucking lighthouse. That okay? <laughs> so so yeah. So you, so you get a tour of Origin Systems, which is Garriott's company. That's also based in Austin, Texas. And then you get to meet the man himself and ask him why he's such a bastard. So pretty fucking cool. Contest for sure, and I'm sure for a kid, just absolutely mind-blowing experience. Second prize is a set of a few of FCI's shitty NES games. <laughs> the Ultima being one of them, but like, what's the fucking, uh, what's the one that the one guy tried to get us to play? Deadly Towers, I think, is one of them. Oh, my there's, God. Yeah, there, there's another. Yeah, just like some really bad fucking games, so that's not the best prize in the universe, but I guess free NES games are always kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then third prize is, of course, Nintendo Power T-shirts. So, that is Nintendo Power, issue 16. That's the TMNT arcade soundtrack. Uh, the character select theme, rather. Uh, pure hotness, of course. Bringing us into the nominations, yeah. which what I a, believe you're first, Josh. What a, That's good, actually, because I actually have something I'm, I'm going to add us 
not a segment, but a, a feature to this this segment of the show. But uh, what did we say earlier about that fucking character selecting? <laughs> yeah, you're not. You're fucking dead inside. If that that if that if that song doesn't like incite something in you emotionally, you're dead inside. <laughs> or yes. either that, or just didn't exist during that time of <laughs> the world. One or the other. Maybe both. The so okay. So it occurred to me that there's a fun infographic opportunity with issues in Nintendo Power with these power meters. And maybe actually, all, uh, Game Pro, does Game Pro have some sort of meter? Yeah, they have the, the scores. So whatever, I can do this for, I think, probably all the issues. I'm sure they all have little rating systems. So I'll be able to do, I wanna, I, I'm going to start doing an aggregate of the issues power meters, you know, uh, or, or rating systems, whatever. So we get, like, we can compare. I'm going to I'm gonna go back and do them all, too, so I have the, the full data of, of, all, of every issue. But it's not that much work. And... Not like I have real life or anything. So <laughs> the uh, yeah, so the basically an aggregate of all the power meters for all the games and the issues, so we can kind of gauge, compare eras, I suppose, at least from the perspective of the magazine, of course. So the aggregate power meter of this particular issue is sixty four point eleven percent. So that is the power pool from which we are making these decisions. Mm. This this particular issue. So that's how it ties into the segment. I felt it doesn't organic. feel as strong. Doesn't yeah. feel strong to me. It feels like but, you know, we, we're, we're dragged down <laughs> by those, like, the fucking, you know, there was a couple, like, there's actually, what was the lowest? The lowest was Rally Bike, and that was, like, a 46, oh, I terrible. think. Yeah, 46%, 46 or something. So, yeah, we have some we have some low ones dragging down, the 80% Little Nemo types, you know. There's a lot of 72s and shit in there, so it's not like we have nothing. I, like, I mean, I already said, actually, I think this is one of the stronger... Op- pools of, of games. Yeah, there was actually a lot of good stuff in here, so it's surprising yeah. that the meter I feels like feels like the meter should be higher. You know what right. I mean? <clears throat> fucking, it's like everything else in the world, Jay. You have the fucking the bottom of the barrel dragging everyone else down. <laughs> okay, so my nominations from this issue, and I couldn't even I wasn't even able to do three. I could, I could only wean it down to four. Uh, so I have Ninja Gaiden two. I made a brief mention of that, and that's a an interesting, good game that we have not yet played. We actually haven't done either one of them yet. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's a little bit of a travesty that we have not given either of those games their due, even though they are hard, which I think has probably been the primary detractor from doing so to date. I also thought I'd throw in Double Dragon 2. I was waiting to see which, oh. which, whether I would get just one or two eyebrows there i was i got two i got i got two listeners that's not, <laughs> that's not watching video they got two out of jay double dragon two maniac mansion even though the complicated complex nature that we've talked about its applicability if that's a word to the what we're trying to do with game episode stuff and then lastly little nemo i think it'd be very unjust to not put that in my pool so yeah there's no there's no i don't think there's any um there's no I don't think any of those require lobbying for their no. validity. You know what I mean? So I think maybe the most constructive thing is to skip all that, let you present yours, and then we'll talk about them in a relative arena. Fair enough, fair enough. So my first one is Roller Games, surprisingly. Like I said, I think there's a little little bit more there to, to play with. But my second one... Snake rattle and roll. Yes, crazy. But like I said, I think I think I got the hang of it. Had fun playing it. And then, of course, Little Nemo. Okay. Okay. Well, there's the obvious overlap there, and 
I have no problem giving you your nostalgia shine with, uh, <laughs> with something that you have a, a deep emotional root to. I've never even played it, so mm. I'd be experiencing it for the first time, and that's an interesting counter dynamic, I think, for for two you know, for for the, the, the both of our playthroughs. So that's I mean, true. I mean, I I am inclined to just go with that. Really, I mean, if you want to get down Little with that, Nemo, let's go. Okay. That allowed me to do probably some fun deep dive history stuff with the dive anim- an- like anim- came from. Yeah, an- animation shit too. Yeah, that's kind of fun. So okay, yeah, that's way simpler. I fucking don't need to spend more time at this Hyatt um, hotel <laughs> with my remote podcasting than than is necessary. No problem with that at all. Okay, word. So fucking we'll play a little Nemo next, and that was easy. And then the next issue after that will be Game Pro issue number fourteen. You can subscribe to the pod on the platform provided by whatever dumbass company that serves up your pottery. Please rate and leave pods of shit for the pod on that podcast platform of choice or any other for that matter. The website is nyehentertainment.com forward slash isohpod. You can email us directly at isohpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the pod on Facebook and or Instagram at isohpod. The link to the YouTube gameplay videos playlist is in the show notes. You can get down with us on, on Reddit if uh, you want to hunt on our subreddit on there. And we don't have a Patreon, but if you like giving money to the things podcasters tell you to and would like to do so at our direction, the Able Gamers Foundation creates custom gaming rigs for gamers with disabilities, and that's cool as fuck. AbleGamers.org is where you can find them. Jay, what are your socials? Gentleman JB, that's my gamer tag, and where you can find me if you see me on social media. But what about that second E? <laughs> Without the second E, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at Josh Fallen, on Instagram at my shift key is broke. And that's also where you can find me on Oculus, Meta, Oculus, Quest, whatever the fuck they're calling it right now. <laughs> that's where you can find me if you want to stress me the fuck out in Among Us or whatever. Okay, bye. Bye.